0: Blog Talk Radio
1: It's that time
2: We have the people This is Eric from Moana.
0: This is Priscilla Lima
2: This is Kirstie Patterson The story in real time we're a much better
3: team now than we were then.
4: I'm not looking at just this year, I'm looking at the next four years.
2: You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Rouché. I have a great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. <laughs>
4: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the net live. Here we go. It is time. It is the NCAA tournament. Finally, it's here. Kevin Barnett, along with Katie Charles, also known as Kelly Chuckles, <laughs> several people now referring to you as Kelly Chuckles. I think that's the
3: only thing Gardhoff taught me anymore.
4: Throughout the universe, you okay. uh, you have garnered the Kelly Chuckles label. Sorry, just got to live with that. I guess you know, you know whose fault it is, right? You know who's responsible for you being Kelly Chuckles? Matt Gardhoff. <laughs> no, not exactly. Well, yes, but what's the root of you being Kelly Chuckles?
3: Poor name, wasn't it?
4: Uh, no. Wake
3: him up with that one.
4: No. I'm trying to start the chat board here. That's that's one thing we're missing. Yes. Alright, we will <laughs> launch chat here. Chat is launching. So uh no, it's actually the BN sports announcers who are responsible oh, for right. you being Kelly Chuckles. Oh, yes. Their lovely performance over the summer or the, the fall.
3: Nobody knows your name. What?
4: Yeah, it's like Cheers. It's like it's like the Cheers. opposite of Cheers. Yeah, it'd be it'd be Char's Char's. It's that weird bizarro bar where nobody knows your name. That's right. Where nobody knows your name is exactly right. <laughs> Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Net Live first of December. Boy, we are here. Unleash the Christmas spirit. Unleash the lights. The skies are supposed to open up tomorrow here in California. It's supposed to rain, so it must be getting near Christmas. We have a good show planned for you. The Field of 64 is out. We will go through it in more than one way here, Katie. We will go through it uh, standard standard fare. We'll discuss who's in, who's out, why they're in, why they're out, if we think it's right, Uh, if Ted Leland is going to attack the NCAA offices. Stay to uh, coup. And we will also have the mascot... Challenge, or challenge, if you prefer, here on the show. We will talk about the mascots and who we think is going to win. We will also have, and we'll do this also with our College Volleyball Weekly crew. We'll have Brandon Rosenthal in along with Benny Lopes to discuss selections, omissions, and how it all played out. And then we will have part two, as we promised, part two of the Gabby Reese interview. Looking forward to hearing more from Gabby Reese. I know a lot of people enjoyed that. Last time it was on. So, Field of 64. I tuned in yesterday. So did I. I actually checked it out. Um, It was a good show, I thought. They had kind of generic host guy, Uh and then they had Maria Taylor,
3: who I used to coach.
4: Yeah, Georgia. I think Maria does a nice job. She's very direct, very forceful. She's pretty. She has a good deep voice. And I think she knows a ton about SEC and Big 12, and she's done a lot of that. When it came to Pac-12, as it would be for me if I was going to go do SEC, like if I had to go on the show and talk about the SEC, I'd be a little light on info too. Yeah, well, she played in the
3: SEC. She's got that one pretty much handled. But that's
4: what she broadcasts. That's what they have her doing as SEC and and Big 12. So, yeah, it would be the same for me. I do Pac-12 the entire year. If you had to stick me over there, and i had to do that i I'd, i I'd pick out the individual players but i wouldn't go really inside you could tell when she was talking about an sec team she he knew, knew them inside and out yeah it was a different different animal for
3: not her. nearly as many of them in the field this year
4: well and and maybe that's a good thing we will discuss that we will certainly get to that but i have to tell you even before we get to a ton of volleyball i am i am suffering from a a debilitating condition uh not unlike fibromyalgia, not unlike uh, other strange fatigue syndromes. Uh, I'm suffering from something, a combination of email and yeah. advertising assault fatigue. <laughs> I'm not sure, I don't really have a name for this yet, Katie, uh, but I am i am certainly suffering from some sort of black cyber fatigue.
3: Yeah, retail overstimulation.
4: Good, lo- thank you. That's, you that go. might be good. Retail overstimulation. Sounds kind of clinical and dirty all at the same time. A
3: little bit questionable. <laughs>
4: but for goodness sakes, I have in my email box right now, it's, who's calling me from Beverly Hills? Um, in my email inbox. Might be a big break, better answer it. God, I should have. Dog, God, I just hung up on my opportunity. 126 emails. <laughs> And believe me, I'm not so important that I'm getting this many emails right now. Okay, Pac-12 is over for me. I only have a couple of football dates left.
3: percent of them are
4: things you're going to delete without opening. No, that's incorrect. 99%. <laughs> 126 emails. And I have companies that, yes, I enjoy getting their sale info and knowing if something that I might like at Crate and Barrel or something is on sale. But I don't need four emails a day from some company that I enjoy maybe one a week.
3: That's what I said. I said when we were talking before the show I said there's one company I have unsubscribed from their email list six times. They still email me four times a day. Don't know how to deal with that. It's driving me bananas, but as you said, maybe add it to the spam folder and hope for the best because that I never open.
4: Jeremy's not here. We're not sure if he's been fired for the week, just let go or if he's on hiatus. Uh but maybe more from Jeremy next week. Yes. For those that are wondering. Yeah, I I am God, I'm just so sick of it. And Okay. On the one hand, I feel like, man, maybe there's some really good deals out there that I'm missing out on. I, I really, I should get on there and find some good deals.
3: It's nothing that you can't live
4: without. And then, <laughs> and then on the other hand, I think this is stupid. It's just designed to make me spend money. Uh-huh. I need to delete all this stuff right now. But then it creeps back in. But what if what I want is 40% off? And then, and then I'm going to pay full price later. Yeah. But here's here's my here's my modus operandi since I became a stay at home dad. Operation SOS. <laughs> I've executed Operation SOS for some time. That is Operation Stat of Stores. Yes. And here's my theory on it all for you. My I have an aunt who she's like Kramer and business opportunities. So Kramer would fall ass backwards into crazy opportunities, <laughs> right? It would right. just come to him. He he could not stop them from finding him. My aunt is like that. She cannot stop a, an amazing deal from finding her. I don't know why or how, but if you if there's an amazing leather couch, she will find it 70% off. I, I don't know how that Every works. Time. Every, Every it's time. It's amazing. She is hands down amazing. Aunt Kathy, you're incredible at doing it. I don't really get that. So here's, here's what I do. I stay out of stores until I want what I want, and I go out and buy the thing. Yeah. And I do my best. You know what one of the best lines is? Now I, hold, I heard a whole This American Life about the good guy discount. And they tested this. Could you get the good guy discount? You just ask the cashier, do you have a, a good guy discount? Like, what do you mean a good guy? Well, like, I'm a good guy. You're a good guy. Like, you can give me a little discount. <laughs> Which seemed odd to me. But here's the question you need to ask when you're up at a, a cash register. Throughout the entire year. Not Black Friday. You walk up. You have your thing you want. And you say... You guys don't have any coupons or deals or anything I'm missing, do you? I feel like, am I missing something? Is there something happening? I use that line 90% of the time at the register. You know how often that works? Probably 70% of the time. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I was going to go a little less. I think at, at least 50 probably over
3: 50 It's one of those, like, text in here and you'll get a 20% back or like whatever those are. Yeah. They always have
4: something they pull out from under the counter and scan for you. Yeah. I mean, not always, obviously, but... Sixty seven percent of the time. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And and I literally I was a little bit ago I was at Sports Authority or something, I asked and, and they're like, No, no, and it's not I'm like, oh man, this is expensive. This is kinda of killing me. And sure you don't have I asked a couple of times, I was really kinda of pushing it. And sure enough, he pulls something out and it saved like twenty five or thirty bucks. <laughs> like wow for just, you know, pushing a little bit on the cashier. What, what do you got there? You got anything good? Come on. You got something good back there. Gotta be you something. always got something good back there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 30
3: bucks. It's real Take money, it. people. Take it and run.
4: You have to do that. i was just to say, we've
3: gotten the stage like, you know, everybody's inundated with Christmas shopping. I refuse to leave the house on Black Friday. Like, I'm not even dealing. No. Especially no, I where won't. I live. I'm right in the middle of where, like, tons of the shopping. What about Thanksgiving is. afternoon? Nope. <laughs> I refuse to do anything on Thanksgiving except <laughs> oh, for eat. Oh, God. So, we... Uh, my family finally got to the stage where, like, my brother and sister and I are all, like, early 30s, late 20s. and You know, my parents, we don't have any, they don't have grandkids yet, so they're not buying stuff for little ones. So we finally got to the stage where we're like, you know what, we're not buying crap for each other anymore. Like, we give my parents theater tickets. Like, they gave me, like... They're like, we're tired of buying you stuff you don't want. I'm really picky. They don't. So they bought me a laptop, and they're like, this is your next couple of birthdays and Christmases. So they bought me a brand new Mac laptop, which is what I needed for work. So stuff like that. We finally said, forget it. I'm not going out. I'm not fighting crowds. I don't care about any of the crap in the store. Like, we get each other gift cards. We get each other tickets. We get each other things that we want for like long term. And that we finally hit the stage where it's, Mom was like, until we have grandkids that we need to worry about buying stuff for the little ones. We're not doing that anymore. So that was actually really nice. makes my holiday shopping way easier. I like
4: small stuff that speaks to me.
3: Right. Or something that they made or did or, like, a a memento from something that we all did together, that kind of stuff. Like, we're doing, I think we're going to be doing a family trip in the next couple of years. My parents want to take us all to Ireland. So that'll be Christmas for one year.
4: Something like this. Oh, good God. Have you not noticed this in the corner?
3: Oh, no. I haven't seen that yet, but we're taking a picture of that. No, that's not going up on Facebook. Oh, come on. Bring that back here. (laughs) That is
4: not going on Facebook. Yeah, you can
3: show it to me, but everybody sitting in the crowd is wondering what we're what we're looking at here. What it
4: is is it's a it's a, something that I started with my friends a while back. I started making custom covers, so from scratch, I use Adobe Illustrator. Matt Gardhoff, I know, I know. Uh, if I could use Photoshop, that'd be fine, but I use Illustrator and I I make custom magazine covers for my friends. I've done a bunch of Racer X, Outside Magazine. I, mm-hmm. I've done them for wedding parties as mm-hmm. giveaway presents, and the idea is I take a picture provided to me by whomever. <laughs> And then I'll construct it so it looks just like a regular magazine would look. So, for instance, outside, I will make it look identical to the outside magazine, except every headline done outside way will be some funny inside joke with the person they're giving it to. And so I've done that frequently. So my a friend of mine decided to take revenge upon me and put me in out magazine with a uh let's say questionable photo Come on, photo. put that up there. Come on.
3: Come on. No, you, that can't be hey, up there. Hey, you brought it out, you've got to let's go. Come on.
4: There. A questionable photo of myself and uh and a buddy of mine with our Belgian championship. Got it. This is when we won our Belgian championship. And uh and we were in the we were in the <laughs> crowd with some champagne on us. And very excited. uh, So my friend decided to give me that magazine, but I've done that. That's the kind of gift I enjoy giving. Is something that's funny, and you can't buy that anywhere else. Yeah, you can't. It's not something you can buy, or something that just speaks to me. I found something for Jeremy up in Seattle this last week that spoke to me. Oh boy! I had the pillow. And I'm 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 upset that he's not here today because I was going to give it to him early. I was going to wrap it up and give he's it to him early. He's getting a lot
3: of gifts. You got him the Batman pillow. I know. Remember, and like,
4: I know. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to get into the gifts. But I just I need something to speak to me. That's what I need. I need like a lasagna tray with uh, the eagles on it. Maybe that would be. Nope. You already saw what I'm sending you. Huh? No, you not what I need. I'm what saying... you need? No, what I need? Yeah. A lasagna tray. Well, you do a lot burger. of cooking, right? So.
3: <laughs> Some days. <laughs> You're getting the ugliest uh, eagle sweater in the history of the world.
4: <laughs> ah, that's right. I have the Bears one.
3: I know. That's sad. I,
4: I had ordered it. And b- believe me, they're tracking me on my computer because as soon as I clicked <laughs> on it, it started showing up on every web page I ever oh, went yeah, to. Oh, yeah, same
3: here. As soon as I like was punching <laughs> through it, that all shows up. That's, that's not the best part, being a female at my age is... Uh, now my friends are sending me pictures of like engagement rings. Every ad oh, yeah. on my thing is a diamond. My boyfriend's <laughs> like, are you trying to tell me something? I'm like, no.
4: No, but the internet is. No, the internet is trying to speak to you.
3: <laughs> my guy friends are like help me pick one out. So I was like surfing those websites. Now everything is an engagement ring picture. Like, I give up.
4: Yeah, no, that's happening. I will be. Uh, I will be actually did I
3: realize how little that is helping me want to buy their products. <laughs>
4: I have an MC gig at a Christmas party coming up here in about two weeks, and I will be showing up to MC the White Elephant Exchange. It's like eighty or a hundred people, and I have to MC this crazy exchange. And I, I enjoy doing it. I'm going as Mike Ditka for the exchange, so I'm going to wear said bear's ugly sweater and uh, the mustache and the glasses. I may even cut into a flat top just for the the party because I don't have any broadcasts.
3: Well, you can always During go as Jay present. Cutler, just make sure you throw everything to the other team.
4: Oh, uh, dude, I could go as Cutler if I'm just a miserable lout the entire time. <laughs> this guy is the most unhappy Hey, you get an extra
3: play, what are you going to do with it? Throw an interception in the end zone?
4: <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so uh, I, was, I have shopping fatigue, even though yeah. I, I do need a couple of things. I'm on the hunt for a couple of things. but
3: Well, on the football side of things, I have and to tell you, else. I had a glorious Thanksgiving day. As did I. Living in a house with a roommate who's a Dallas fan and a boyfriend who's a Dallas fan. Yeah,
4: take I, won. That. I
3: won. I won. I get two weeks of uninterrupted gloating time to play again, and we have to hope they keep winning so that I don't have to eat crow for the second time around.
4: They didn't just beat them. They made them look bad. <laughs> oh, it was doing awesome. It. Yeah.
3: And they were everybody. And I was cooking, so I'm yelling from the kitchen while everybody else is sitting in my living room.
4: <laughs> my neighbor two over is not happy. He drove by in the alley I was working. He goes. You gonna rub it in or what? So I just put the hands above the head. Yes. All right. Let's get to uh, let's get some volleyball business. We generally spend a lot more time monkeying around on this show, but we have the field of sixty four announced. I want to go through it. I want to go through it with our experts. I want to talk about it with Brandon Rosenthal and with Vinny Loeb from our College of Volleyball Weekly segment, brought to you by the American Volleyball Coaches Association. Each week here on the Net Live, I think we have both of our guys, Vinny. Brandon,
5: how's it going? Congrats on your Eagles' victory over my Cowboys. It was embarrassing.
3: Whoop, whoop. Yes.
5: <laughs> We are very happy in the studio
3: right now. Yeah.
4: Take that, Vinny. Kindred, you,
3: Kindred spirits <laughs> here on the West Coast. That's what you get
4: for being a fan of a stupid team. <laughs> 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 all right, guys. So, field of 64. Uh, first of all, Brandon uh,
3: Rosenthal. Unprecedented.
4: Made history. You made history. You're the first at-large out of the Atlantic Sun Conference ever. And if we had applause, because I don't have the buttons Jeremy has, we would play it right now. Congratulations, Lipscomb Lady Bears, on getting in.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Best, it, was, uh, it was
4: a best pr- reaction video of them all.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was It was 40 minutes of agony. Uh, that's for sure. Oh, so it, uh, it was 10 days. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, beyond, beyond, yeah, exactly.
3: Were you counting it was, the nearly wild. we had to watch a uh, some basketball game that nobody cared about?
2: Yeah, yeah, none of our girls are fans any longer of Georgia Tech or Rhode Island <laughs> <laughs> basketball teams.
5: Yeah. And thank God that kid missed that three-pointer at the end that was sent to overtime. I'm forever a Rhode Island fan of that, just because that kid missed that shot.
4: <laughs> so when I tuned in a little bit late, I must have hit it right because I thought I was way it's like far 20 behind. 20 minutes late. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. even realize that having turned in, tuned in late.
3: Because the last three minutes of the basketball game that was on before it took nearly 25 minutes.
4: And they delayed the whole show. Oh, yeah. Because I just went and clicked on figuring I was missing it, right. and all of a sudden it was only one bracket. I didn't really pay attention to what time it was, and I caught up on the bracket oh, quite yeah. quickly. Oh, my goodness. That is horrendous.
2: It's amazing. It truly is. And it, it, uh, if you want to make some money, always bet the over on the game that precedes the NCAA selection show.
3: (laughs) Every single year.
4: Uh, Brandon Roosevelt, you're there hosting as many teams were. I saw great videos from all around. Uh, I saw Siena. I saw Oregon State. uh, Maybe Illinois State. No, they were already in. I saw a whole ton of these videos, and I appreciate whoever put that up on Volley Talk, the, the listing of those different videos. Well, the Siena
3: one was hysterical because the coach in the dead front realizes who they're playing first, and the kids are, like, jumping around behind them, and they're like <laughs> – and the coach is sitting stone-faced in the middle like, crap, we have Penn State in the first <laughs> round.
4: <laughs> Going to the gallows. I uh, I watched uh, Utah's one. I enjoyed that one because that was, that was the real question in the Pac-12. Utah was really on the bubble, and, and once they were in, I felt like the Lady Bears were for sure in. Describe for us, Brandon, the atmosphere. Once the program is going, what's the atmosphere like at at
2: your place? Once you guys are kind of in the thick of, are we getting it? Well, I mean, the coaches are kind of behind the girls. And, and, you know, with each name, we've already talked about at length all the teams. and, And we have a much greater knowledge of, you know, the field or what the field should be or, you know, and things like that. So... We tried to keep it limited, but at one point, you know, there was a couple curveballs thrown our way, and the coaches huddled over. And I didn't really think the girls would notice, but after the fact, the girls told us that they all started to get worried uh, when they saw us all kind of huddled up. And, I mean, at one point it was, you know, girls are going outside at commercial breaks. They, cu- they couldn't take it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I felt the same way. I mean, literally, I was, you know, it was – it was great, it was at our house and and whatnot, but uh you know, but as the show was coming back after each commercial break, everybody was kind of running around gathering everybody up again. It was just it was it was a lot.
4: How horrendous was it for you guys too that you ended up in the last bracket that they announced? You're waiting the entire yeah. show,
2: yeah, it's uh you know in some ways I just expected it. I mean, it was just kind of like, Hey, we know we're going to have to wait, you know, and, and as they're clicking off, you know, brackets or, you know, pods that we thought might possibly be, you know, where we would go, you know, Illinois was up pretty early. We thought that, that might be one of the places and you're just like, Oh, and I mean, I was just sweating and my, I felt like my heart was in my throat. All right, so you guys
4: get in. The announcement is made. Was that you in the doorway in the back?
2: Yeah, I gave the uh, – the. Uh, I mean, obviously I didn't plan it. It was just what came out. I mean, I was holding the paper that I had all the teams written down that I thought, you know, in my infinite wisdom thought were getting in. And, I mean, I was just – it was everything I had in me. I just was let out this primal scream, basically. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, Fantastic, and congratulations. Vinny, uh, let's turn Thank to you. you. Give me kind of your yes, view of watching the selection tournament and some of the things you felt were good or bad about the broadcast and the way it all laid out.
5: Okay, well, first and foremost, you know, I, as you said, I think that they did a decent job analyzing it. The thing that was absolutely appalling to me was the fact that you have a one-hour show in primetime broadcast, and you do not have the selection committee chairman on there to explain the bracket. That is absolutely befuddling to me why that happens. That happens in football. That happens in men's basketball when they unveil their bracket. Yet, we don't have the chairperson coming on and explaining why she put – or why the committee put certain teams in, what they were looking for. Why that interview didn't took place is beyond baffling me. And it just speaks of the lack of transparency that we have seen time and time again throughout this selection committee. And, you know, it – for me, it means also one of two things. One, it raises the question of why isn't anyone in the volleyball media interviewing the selection committee chairman? The brackets have been out now for over 18 hours. We have yet to see one statement from the committee on why they put certain teams in, why they opt to do this. It. So it's either the fact that the selection committee chairman is an absolute coward and is refusing to do the interviews, or the bigger question is, Us as volleyball media having contacted her to ask these questions. And either way, that is a significant problem. And for me, my biggest thing is always holding people accountable and getting explanations. That's one of the biggest roles of the media. And when you're a media person, whether you're covering politics, whether you're covering sports, the number one priority is to get the answers to people in power that the average person is asking. And that's the job of the volleyball media right now. And it's not being done. And you know, we look at and I'll give a comparison. Say what you want about Ranshanka on the men's volleyball committee, but you know what? He had the courage after putting Lewis in earlier the season over Pepperdine to face the media to answer their questions and explain why he did that. We haven't seen that so far from this from this committee, and because of that, we're not exactly sure why Steen Hall got in over Ohio or what they were looking for. So for me, that's really the number one thing that stood out is. We still don't know what the selection committee was
4: thinking, and we're almost 24 hours removed. Uh, Vinny, I think when you're referring to volleyball media, you're talking about basically a, a group of, oh, yourself, uh, and maybe this <laughs> show as far as volleyball media. Uh, I, I don't disagree, So, but we don't see this in basketball, women's hoops. The committee chairmen don't really give interviews about it, correct? Well,
5: No, no, they, no. Do. They, they do. Well, they, they do. They do. You yeah, they do. I mean, every single March Madness for basketball, you know, you're going to see the selection committee chairman come on and answer a couple questions. We see it every week
1: when uh, they announce okay. the
5: college football bracket. And, you know, you had time to play in. I mean, hell, I love hearing Mary Weiss speak, but I'd be very okay bumping out Mary Weiss's interview for a five-minute yeah, interview with the
4: selection committee chairman. 100%. Now, we pursued the committee chairman last year quite extensively for this show, and we're unable to get her to come on. Uh, but I believe it's changed for this year, correct? Who are we Who are we not hearing from?
5: It, it would be um, Gene Berger, who's also the um, athletic committee, or who's also the North, um, excuse me, the athletic director, or associate athletic director at Northern Illinois. And once again, you know, it could be, it's one of two things. One, she's refusing to do interviews. Or two, no one has contacted her for an interview. But it, it raises my question, if you're ESPN, why you're not doing that interview with the committee chairman. That's really something that, and I don't have an answer to that because I wasn't in their pre-production meeting, but I'm just really interested why you're not making that part of your one hour broadcast.
4: Yeah, I would, I would definitely like to hear from that person Uh, in the field of 64, five newcomers, Cal state Bakersfield, Denver university, Northwestern and Seton hall all in for the very first time to the tournament. Uh, any any comment on any of those guys, uh, Vinny or Brandon? What do you know about those five schools getting in for the first time? Well, I know Brandon.
2: again the first one that really pops out to us is obviously Seton Hall because they were the at-large bid. Uh, they're they're a team that uh, really people need to take notice of. They've beaten Creighton. They've beaten Marquette, who are two teams that uh, you know have done very well all year long, and you know they did it at their place at Creighton, they beat them recently. And then they just beat Marquette, um, you know, at their place. So it's, uh, this is, this is a group, if I remember correctly, just from recruiting purposes is a pretty senior laden group. And, uh, they've had a nice run. I think that, uh, you know, it took them a little bit, you know, to get going, but, uh, the last five or six weeks, they've really put up some great results. Um, You know, we had a chance to see Oakland uh, earlier in the year when we played against them, and they won their conference, and they're a group, again, that can uh, do some things. So, you know, it's fun. Uh, I remember our first time, and, uh, you know, even though we knew we were in, uh, we watched the show, and we were one of the last kind of, in the pairings to come up and, you know, I had to remind everybody that was getting anxious. Hey, we're, we're for sure in, Uh, uh but uh <laughs> there is nothing like the first time. Yeah. A Seton
4: hall for their first time, they will get BYU. So that's going to be a tough matchup for them. Nine former champions of the 10. And I wonder who's missing here, Katie. I did. I failed to look this up. Maybe you guys can pull it off the top of your head. Nine former champs into this year's field, UCLA, Hawaii, Long Beach State, Nebraska, USC, Stanford, Penn State, Texas, and Washington. But there's only in 33 years ever been 10 champions, 10 different champions. I wonder who's missing from that list. Somebody can uh, can say it if they know it or put it up on the chat board there who is out of that list. Uh, also, long time missing for several of these programs that are now in. Illinois State in for the first time since 2007. Murray State, in for the first time since 2003. Oregon State, first time under Terry Liskevich, former national team coach, in for the first time since 2001. Pacific. And UALR, UALR in 2000. Uh, I had to actually look up who this was.
3: University of Arkansas Little Rock?
4: That's correct. Yeah. First time Van, oh, you're
2: Van Compton. You're What's that? van Compton is uh the coach of UALR and, and has done a fantastic job. She's been there a long time and uh they've had a just an absolute tremendous season. I think uh winning the last uh gosh, I want to say just off the top of my head, at least eighteen matches. Uh so they've they've had a great, great year and, and uh I'm on one of the regional ranking calls with her and uh has done a great job of just, you know, it doesn't matter when you are putting the streak together like that, and and again, forgive me for exactly knowing exact you know how many wins it is, but uh, it's tough and there's a grind to it, and so they're actually kind of their nickname is Euler, uh, and and they're okay with that. So if you want to like, call like them Euler,
4: like Euler? Euler,
2: but Euler, yeah. All
4: right, UOP is the one team that's missing. I'm getting a lot of uh, information from all around, and that was actually. A source of much controversy for Ted Leland, athletic director. And, Vinny, uh, tell me about UOP. They finished second in the WCC, correct? And WCC has four teams in the field but not the number two team?
5: Right. And, um, you know, one of the big reasons for this, what we can only assume because, you know, once again, the committee chair, you know, hasn't talked yet, is you look at the RPI. And I think that what this selection committee showed time and time again was, they're basically going to take the RPI formula and they're going to look at the RPI rankings, and that's really going to be the one, the only metric that they're going to use. So you know, you look at UPI; they finished second, but they were fifth in the W in the WCC in terms of their RPI ranking, and you know they finished one spot behind Michigan State, which got the final, which got the final at-large birth, so they didn't get in. And then you know you have um, Ted Lee. Ted Leland um, redefine the word prav- privacy. I mean, I personally use that for a more horrific events, you know. But you know, hey, you know, this is a uh, you know this is also a, this is also an athletic director who decided to add two sports when his university was in absolute financial chaos, and then they had to cut a men's volleyball program because he decided to add those two sports. So, you know, Ted Leland's a special man.
4: Hey, uh, sham mockery, Maybe we could use that one. Let's call it a sham-ockery, <laughs> the fact that, that they've been left out. Uh, okay. He's not happy about it, but I don't like the fact they dropped their men's team, so I'm not going to spend time yeah. feeling bad for UOP. It's just my own yeah, opinion. And, 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 you
5: know, for and for UOP, hey, you know, maybe when you go up to Seattle, you actually play Washington, not, not Seattle. You know, just a thought for their non-conference schedule next year.
2: <laughs> Brandon, you had something? I uh, just, again, it's it's one of those things you, as a coach, you're kind of surprised by some of the comments made public. You know, again, there's always going to be somebody left out. And, and unfortunately, the first person that's left out or, or what we perceive as the first person left out always has more of an argument than anybody else. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, is, you know, whether you believe it or not, the committee has to put 64 teams in. Okay, 32 of those teams are automatic qualifiers, so they have nothing to do with those teams. So they have, you know, 32 spots to, to kind of fool with or, or, or maneuver. And, uh, you know, as we've talked about at length here, you know, some of the regionalization of, you know, the championship I imagine plays into it. But, you know, for years, six, seven, eight years, um, They've gone off of RPI, or what we perceive as them going off the RPI. This is so, not something new.
4: How much did it mirror it this year?
2: How much did the RPI mirror the selection? <laughs> oh, you, 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 you miss you miss a couple people. Like forty-two is SMU, forty-four is Ohio, forty-five is CSUN, which I imagine losing to UCI the last week. You know, uh, hurt, but then you know forty-six, forty-seven, forty-eight. Michigan State is 48. They get in. Who's number 49? Pacific, you know, and it's it's hard. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it, you know, there's better ways, or you know, is the RPI the best? Probably not. But the truth of the matter is, we all know that this is kind of how uh, it's affecting our sport, and you gotta you gotta kind of play within that, and you got to schedule within that, and you know, you've got to. I hate to say work the system, but you you kind of have to you do. And, you have to work. Uh, yeah, you do. I mean, and again, it doesn't matter if it's the RPI or if it's some other ranking system, you know, that they decide to go to in two or three years. You're still at the same place, whatever that system is. You gotta play within that kind of uh circumstances or, or the uh how they judge that and, and work it. And unfortunately for Pacific they're at forty nine. You know, do they deserve gosh, they, they make a great case. Purdue, who is, you know, number nineteenth in the coaches poll but fifty uh in the uh, you know, RPI. You know, it's the same thing. You know, everybody has an argument. There's no doubt about it, but at some point they have 32 spots that they've got to fill, and, you know, that's it.
5: Yeah, and, you know, we talked about Ted Leland's reaction on the other side of the spectrum. You have to commend the reaction that um, Dave Shondell gave in a video interview, you know, for not only kind of explaining the situation, but congratulating the teams in the field. And I think that that just, um, you know, he's a, one of the classiest coaches, I think, in the nation, and that showed last night, you know, when he was clearly disappointed. Going on camera, you know, talking to his, his fan base that that was clearly outraged and doing it in a very mature and appropriate manner.
4: Well, hey, I'll give Ted Leland points for throwing it out there because I think yeah. too many times stuff is veiled in the politically correct speech of of yeah. this and, that and the other thing. And yeah, if you're ticked, your team isn't in there, say so, and and I'm okay with that. I still yeah. I still stick by my earlier point. Dump your men's team get screwed in the women's selection process. Fine with me. But uh so in other I'm, words, it's just karma. Yeah, yeah, I'm just being I'm just being vindictive. That's all. It's just uh, personally <laughs> it's A little offended, hard to back to
3: that. And I'm, thing. I'm
4: being a little vindictive because I, you know what? I'm a men's volleyball player and I don't like seeing our sport get uh, get teams falling off the bandwagon there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do have a good question here about the one through four. Texas gets the number two, Stanford number one. You lose once in the season and do it late to a very good team, you're probably going to still get the number one seed. Texas, number two. Washington, number three. Why, why did this happen? What's the case for Texas to be two? Could these teams be flip-flopped? Is there a good reason perhaps to have two and three in that order? Uh, Vinny, start with you.
5: Yeah, you know, I I was a little surprised by the, by that too that um, Washington wasn't the number two. But you know, end of the day, you kind of look at the bracket how it can play out. You know, these are probably you know I would put these teams two three. You flip the coin. End of the day, really the only difference that you know that can make if these two teams take care of business is which team is in the road jerseys and which team is in the home jerseys. You know, when they meet in Oklahoma. But yeah, I was a little bit surprised as well that um, Washington, especially. Coming again that huge end of the season victory against Stanford, which I, you know, you know that was just an amazing atmosphere. You know that they weren't able to climb ahead of Texas.
2: Yeah, I don't forget. uh, I mean, I think the bigger thing, the bigger question I have with Texas being two, and again you're splitting hairs. So I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but Texas just lost to Florida at five. So. that That's yeah. a little different, too. I mean, uh, but remember this, okay? <clears throat> Here's probably the biggest issue. Why Washington's three? Well, Washington is in their own region. So if they were two, they would be down in Minneapolis for the regionals, uh, and that would be kind of silly for um them to flip-flop them when they they know that if if Washington makes it to, you know, the third and fourth rounds, they're guaranteed a much, much, much bigger crowd. So, you know, look, it's already, you know, you've got, you know, programs that uh, traditionally host, Hawaii traditionally hosts. They're not hosting this year. Uh, So, you know, you count on 10,000 fans each time Hawaii plays – And, uh, you know, the NCAA is not getting that this year.
4: Wait a minute. You can't put the bracket that they're in in the place that they're at? Is that what I'm getting from this?
2: No. I mean, so the bracket's already set. So one is going to Ames, Iowa. Two is going to, you know, this, that, and the other. So, you know, I would imagine. Our hosts
3: are what? Seattle, Ames, Minneapolis, and
2: Louisville? Yeah. Yes.
3: Several don't have a team in the tournament.
4: Minnesota not in. Did I miss Louisville? Louisville's no. not in. Correct. Louisville's, Louisville's not, not in.
3: Considered the host over there.
2: Yeah. Quick so I on. mean, you're you're talking about a pretty big issue for the NCAA because, um, you know, it's it, it, the, it, the truth of the, the matter is is you're losing a lot of revenue.
4: Well, also the attendance issue when it comes to trying to get the field of 64 seated entirely. Someone was explaining that the attendance attendance numbers is a, a factor in that discussion. Uh, interesting that those teams are not in Minnesota left out. So uh, we talked about UOP. We talked about Purdue. Who else, Vinny, could have gotten in?
1: You know, I
5: think that there was a really interesting case for Ohio. When you look at what they did this year in the MAC. basically only losing two games the entire season, one of them being in the conference championship game, and then they lost kind of that end-of-the-season non-conference match against Aiden in five games. But, you know, they really put out an impressive resume, really played a very competitive non-conference schedule. I would even say a more competitive non-conference schedule than Stephen Hall, and they were ranked higher then Stephen Hall in the RPI. They were one of those teams that were jumped over. You know, you look at the teams that were jumped over that had higher RPIs than teams that got at large bids in the NCAA tournament. You're looking at SMU, Ohio, and you're looking at um, at CSUN. You know, those three teams I really think all potentially have a legitimate gripe on why they didn't get in. You know, once again, Kevin, you know, I you know I bring this up time and time again, but I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but, you know, it comes down to that lack of transparency right now that we're seeing by the NCAA committee, not only not even coming out doing an interview with the media about this, but also just the data that they're having and, and the fact that we don't have all the information. So for instance, I'm just this is from the NCAA manual. Here's all the criteria that they go in to determine the at large bids and the seeds. It is RPI, regional adversary, committee ranking, division one record, overall RPI, non conference record, non conference RPI, conference record. Conference RPI road record record in last 10 games, record against teams 1 through 50 in the RPI, record against teams 51 through 100 in the RPI, record against teams 101 to 200 in the RPI, record against teams below 200, record against in the RPI, record against other teams that are considerations, head-to-head record, significant win-loss is how you define significant win-loss, we still don't know, record against common opponents, and results against teams already receiving at-large bids. sites of the match and other circumstances that could affect the match, such as injuries. Of all those criteria listed, the only thing that the NCAA releases is the actual overall RPI. All that other data that the NCAA tournament committee has at its disposal to help maybe explain some of these decisions, they don't release to the public. Which is baffling because you're giving that information to the committee. They're receiving all that data. Why you wouldn't want to make that information public? is just a, a mind boggling thing. One it's really a simple thing to just post a spreadsheet online.
3: <laughs> well and I think maybe you know Ohio's case being strong, but their biggest issue was when you look at the other teams that yeah. made it into the tournament, they lost against almost everybody. They lost to Hawaii, yeah. they lost to Arizona State, they lost to Texas A and M. They lost to Dayton. Um but they did beat Ohio State. There's that. Right. But I mean right. there's, there's that's the, there's the to Lewis
4: win. argument to <laughs> get in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They beat Erskine <laughs>
5: Hey, 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 going back to Flying Fleet, they're coming back with all their starters this year.
4: Uh. <laughs> I don't care. Sorry. I just don't care.
3: Uh, Not there yet. Give it a little more time. <laughs> ten ten yeah. Pac-12
1: teams
4: get in. That's a record for the Pac-12. Six Big Tens, five Big 12, and SEC teams. Four for the WCC, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, ten for the Pac-12. Utah, the last one. And maybe there's an example of a team that did enough at the end. Their RPI was Jumping coming into the end of the season, and I think once Utah was in, everybody else had to feel pretty good about their chances in the Pac-12.
2: Well, I think actually the last team in from the Pac-12 is probably USC at 15 and 15, uh, yeah. and you know you're talking about uh, a, a you know traditional power amongst not only uh, you know the Pac-12 but nationally. And uh, you know, coming into the last weekend I think we we talked about it before that they we thought that they would have to win at least one. Uh yeah. and, and they did. You know, so it uh it was a huge weekend for them. And uh, you know, <laughs> it's kinda strange, you know, but uh you know, that's a that's a tough thing. You know, I I'm sure the committee was watching this closely i mean you think about it they lost to ucla so um yeah. you know that just made them eligible you know at 15 and 15 you have to be at 500 so uh you know it's a, it's a kind of a strange thing utah is a good team utah had a great year yeah. and uh you know Beth does a fantastic job her and her staff there and uh you know you look at it you know their last you know they won. I'm trying to count real quickly. They won eight of their last nine. Um, you know, and that's that's a recipe for getting yourself in. And so well, and we USC, we probably look at Utah, but SC I think is the last team in in the Pac-12. Well,
3: didn't they they lost like what seven of the last ten?
2: Who's that SC? Uh, yeah,
5: SC, yeah. That that number sounds about okay. right. With some bad losses like a cow loss in there.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about and they seven out of their last ten. They lost to Utah.
5: Yeah.
4: I'm gonna I'm gonna extend my condolences, uh, preemptively, for December 5th and December 6th to Siena and either American or Dayton, uh, whoever matches up with Penn State there in the second round. It seems utterly remarkable with Penn State and what they're doing, the ability of Russ Rose, Vinny, to get his teams to peak at exactly the right time. And and I was talking to Brandon yesterday. It's one thing to put together a plan to make your team peak. It's another thing to get them to do it over and over again. Russ winning 41 sets in a row in his squad there seems like they're once again coming in as the hot team.
5: Yeah. And he has the magic, magical formula. And, you know, it, It's always kind of funny with Penn State. I think at times, you know, during the volleyball season, we get excited by so many of the new rising teams and the new shiny objects. But, you know, there's just kind of that old, consistent, you know, Penn State team time and time again that just continues to get better and better as the season goes on. And, you know, what can you say about Micah Hancock without that one of the best setters in the nation? You know, you kind of look at, at their region right now and what's shaping up, and you look at just that potential of a Wisconsin Penn State regional final match, I think that that's going to be really exciting if that happens, Uh, you know, just a rematch of the NCAA uh, NCAA championship match from last year. Brandon,
2: we've talked about it it at length here. You know, 41 straight sets at the end of the year. I mean, the last time they lost a set was uh, October 17th, you know, in a pretty good conference, you know. Yeah. So (laughs) it's unreal. This oh, tournament is playing really out this tournament is turning out exactly how Russ wants it. I would imagine I've never really sat down with him, but you think about it. They don't have to sit there and talk about being a top seed. They don't have to sit there and talk about they're lurking when they don't need to be lurking. You know nobody's talking about them, and everybody should be talking about them. Uh, for good reason, for exactly what Kevin brought up at the very beginning of this conversation. 41 straight sets. So they are the five seed. It's perfect. Nobody talks about the five seed.
3: Well, and I'll be interested to see if they and UCLA get through. That's that,
2: you know,
3: 16 matchup from a couple years ago Penn State's out for blood after dropping to them, was it two or three years ago?
2: Three years ago? Two years ago.
3: They won it last year before they lost to
2: UCLA in the Sweet 16. Is that right? I guess they would have to match up against us to go to the right. Final Four. Yeah, 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 uh, I would say,
5: yeah they yeah. could play. They would have to get Lip- through Lipscomb as well.
0: I mean,
2: I let's know. face it. It would be a dream come true for this for this show, Penn State versus Lipscomb, to go to the Final Four. I mean, endless way, conversations.
5: It, it, Brandon, just in a case you're wondering. Movie written all over if it happened. I mean –
2: I'm going to already agree to be on the show when that happens. <laughs> okay, we'd like so to So you have you, you just need to get you, you just need
3: to get Russ. Well, don't worry. Kevin is sporting his Lipscomb uh dry-fit shirt in the studio this morning to uh show his support for you.
4: Hey, More said, shirts to come. More shirts to come. Bear. It's a, custom one. It's a not, custom one. I don't I don't cheer for the vices. I cheer for the Bears. Uh, interesting first-round matchups, guys. I'm going to throw LIU-Brooklyn and UCLA out there because I love the matchup between two former national team athletes. Kyle Robinson doing a great job there with the, I believe,
1: Blackbirds.
4: LIU-Brooklyn, something like that. And uh, and against uh, Mike Seely and the UCLA Bruins. I think that's an intriguing one. What do you guys have on your radar, Vinny?
5: Uh, you know, for my radar, we kind of talked about this team a little bit earlier, but, you know, USC... You know they're going up, but they're kind of in this um, Carolina region, and and they're going to be playing um, Coastal Carolina to start off, and then they if they win that, they play UNC. You know it's been such a heckled and died, or heckled and season for you know USC this season, but you, I just have a weird hunch that this is a team that for whatever reason, well they could potentially go on a run and possibly get in the Sweet 16th. Samantha Briscoe has been playing great, averaging almost 4.25 kills per game. You know, if she can get hot, I think that this could be a team that could surprise some people, so I'm really intrigued there. Obviously, you know, I'm really intrigued at that Lipscomb-Ohio State matchup. I think that that's going to be really exciting. You know, a middle attacker who really is on the national radar, but I think it has improved dramatically this season, is Molly Spitznoggle from Lipscomb. I think that she could have a big game. And then, you know, the other one, you will have to give a shout-out to Hugh Harrisman of um, – Northwestern State getting his team in the NCAA tournament going up against Texas. If they were to win that game, it would be the equivalent of the U.S. defeating the Soviet Union in the 1980s. But big shout out to Harrisman for rallying his team time kind of in the second half of the season and being able to win the conference tournament. And their gift is now they get to like Texas.
4: Very nice, very nice. I'm looking at Oregon-Santa Clara. That one looks interesting to me. Santa Clara, I think, with a, a chance against Oregon, just matching up with some athletes there. Rosenthal?
2: Yeah, you got to look at Kansas State, Utah, Hawaii, Duke, Texas A&M, uh, and Arizona State. And then the, the last one is Oklahoma-LSU. Great, great matchups. Again, um, there might be slight advantages one way or the other, but we're not only pitting two, you know, in, in all those two good teams, we're pitting two good conferences. And so, you know, I'll be interested. All on the right side of the bracket. So that should be interesting how that plays out, uh, you know, throughout the uh, throughout the tournament. Oklahoma. I think Marquette, Illinois State is a match do not sleep on. It's big time.
4: Oklahoma with that signature win over Texas, ending Texas's conference win streak and also home winning streak. Uh that would again they would lose to Florida at the end of the year. Uh guys, what have we missed going through this uh this list and, and this opportunity with so many teams uh in and so many teams out?
5: Um, you know, one little side note, and this was uh, happened before the NCAA tournament, it was kind of a little bit of a weird story that came out of Lincoln, Nebraska, was John Cook calling Wisconsin a fake Big Ten champion, a um, regular season champion because they didn't necessarily have to go on the road and play Nebraska and go on the road and play Penn State, and he was advocating for some changes. Wisconsin's the regular season champion of the Big Ten. They're going to obviously decide to on the NCAA tournament, but it's just a really odd story by um, Coach Cook and possibly steering up a little bit more of a Wisconsin-Nebraska rivalry.
4: A fake Big Ten champion, huh? Interesting.
3: Color me shocked after getting their butts kicked by Penn State. John yes. Cook was angry and
4: made some really great comments. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Although I have to say... Barnett that, likes that stuff,
4: so... Yeah. you got like to like it for our side of the business when well, people say silly things. And then fake you got to look at...
3: Something I'm interested to see is uh, there's that possible Nebraska-Washington matchup on their side of the bracket if we get out to the Sweet 16. Wouldn't we love to hear the balls in or the balls out 3,000 more times before this tournament's over? Yes. This another potential fist fight. Let's see how that goes.
4: Yes. I like controversy. I like that a lot. Uh, I, I did the Washington-Stanford match back on Wednesday, day before Thanksgiving that evening up there. Attendance record, almost 8,900. 8,860-something, mm-hmm. I believe, or 8,600, 8, something something close to that, uh, inside Alaska Airlines Arena, a well-played match. Washington beating Stanford up pretty good and looking good doing it. Uh, I did not know a ton about the Huskies, so I'm a couple times late. I'd seen Stanford earlier. Uh, I'm not sure who's who's better equipped, or I wasn't to that point, but I sure like the way Washington kind of dictates tempo with their serve, is there a, another team out there, maybe outside of Penn State, guys that can dictate the tempo of a match the way
2: Washington can from the service line? Not from the service line. I think Oregon is one of those teams that uh, can dictate it with the speed of their offense. And again, when you get into these matchups this late in the year, you have very little time to prepare. And 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 you know if you get matched up against, let's say, a faster paced offense than you're used to you know it's going to it's going to take a while i think it takes at least one and a half sets maybe two to really get comfortable with it if if you're not used to seeing it and so whether it's Oregon or any other team that runs a faster pace offense i think um you can get some pretty good matchups against that here you know at this you know tournament of 64 vinny yeah,
5: um, you know, for me, really quick, one other thing that I've been uh, that I want to hit on it that I think is to be a fun subregion It's kind of this best of Colorado subregion that they've created, and you look at a potential second round matchup between Colorado State and Colorado. If that happens, that place is going to be absolutely electric and hopping. I think that could be one of the more fun second round matches that we see, just with the atmosphere and energy.
2: Well, now yeah, we're we'll- Moby- we'll-
5: stretch.
2: Because yeah, Moby, Moby Arena is is one of those places that uh, does. Uh, you know, Tom Hilbert and his crew do a fantastic job of hosting there, and uh, there's no doubt that you know that's a, a grudge match, to say the least. If that can happen, and uh, well, you and know, you
3: add to the fact that the setter that's one of the setters that's setting for Colorado right now originally committed to Colorado State and then backed right, out. Right, the, the Simpson that adds just a little extra flavor to that one. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, I love that it's in, it's an all Colorado bracket right there. Somebody from the Denver area is getting out. <laughs> it's Northern Colorado versus Colorado, Colorado State versus Denver. I mean, they it's just it's the all front range uh regional there. I like that. We'll just call it a regional cuz it's so so many teams from the same
2: spot right there. That's amazing. It's Well,
4: uh Gentlemen, it's
2: Denver Crossroads, the Crossroads <laughs> Tournament.
4: The Crossroads Tournament, college style. Very good. All right, uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, for tuning in and giving us a call today. Brandon, congratulations once again. Good luck. Versus thank you, guys. Ohio State. We'll look forward to send send word of your victory.
2: I appreciate it. we Will do.
4: All right. <laughs> Vinny, luck. thanks a lot, man. Good luck tracking down the uh, chairwoman. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm on a hunt right now, so we'll see. <laughs> Free data. Free, Free guys. data. <laughs> Get her. All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you. All right, College Volleyball Weekly coming to a close early in the show here. That was uh, that's a good long one. It always is with this field of 64. I I, I like that there's a selection show. I, I love that they kind of unveil it like that. All the parties, the the videos were fantastic. People exploding. I didn't see any videos from UOP or uh, Purdue Purdue. or CSUN or SMU or Ohio. I didn't see any of those videos. Sure, they're not posting
3: those suckers. They might have them. They should post them.
4: They should post them. I mean, people need to know what a a party looks like when it all goes bad. (laughs) Goes downhill in a hurry. Yeah, it's tough, man. You get everybody together, and you don't know if you're going to get in. and uh, I think it's hugs and tears either way with these women's volleyball clubs, right? Yeah. It's hugs and tears in, hugs and tears out. Whatever you got. Yep.
3: <laughs> well, and Coach Hullo actually brought up a really good point that Washington's down to center right now, potentially for the year. Katie Beals went down in their last match. Really? And then Yeah. So... I mean, she just planted and turned badly, and she went down and didn't return to the match. Now they put in their like, redshirt freshman, Jade Final finished the match and played oh, very well. Oh, boy. But that's something also to consider. If she's not back, that oh, takes boy. a setter who has only played in about three matches all season and puts them into a 6-2 unless they change their entire offense going into the NCAAs and go to a 5-1 with Bailey Tanner.
4: Yeah, you might go to a 5-1.
3: Well, they're already done. Chrissy Jones isn't back yet. She's been in a boot. Um, it hasn't yep. played. She's so sprained an a, ankle
4: warming up for Washington, for the Arizona match on Friday.
3: Yeah. Well, and Courtney Schwan stepped in and played great in her absence.
4: She has played um, exceptionally well.
3: But it depends on what Kaylee Nelson is capable of. If she can go six rotations or they put a defensive player in the back row. I mean, but to try to change your entire offense going into the NCAA yeah. tournament is to something you haven't played in yet you either got to take those early rounds and uh, hope for the best, but their second-round matchup is, what, Hawaii or Duke? <laughs> I don't think I want to be experimenting out of the first
4: round with either of those teams. I think they've got the horses, though. Van Sant's another level. She's, I saw a lot of good players this year. Mm-hmm. I saw quite a few good outsides. You talk about Taylor Simpson in Colorado, uh Karstel Lowe at UCLA. Mm-hmm. When I look at, at what Van Sant has done statistic-wise, and then watch her play and watch watch her attack the ball, she's a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. She's better than anybody that I've seen. And Lowe hits some unbelievable angles. Lowe has had an incredible season, too. But she's not as complete a player as, as I think Van Sant is. I think Van Sant is national team ready right now. She's not going to be great internationally, right, to start. She has the tools, the capability – I, I believe, to be, be really, really good. And I think she could be there by 16. Oh,
3: yeah. I think so. I, I think like, you
4: could put her into the starting lineup by 16. She she does some special things.
3: Is she gra- I wonder if she's prepared to graduate early by any chance. She could go to a professional contract in January. I don't know. Because
4: uh, uh, if she I gets out I don't know it's the best early? way to start either. I, it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough way to make the transition. I wouldn't mind going to the national team first, being in a comfortable right. gym for my first international experience. I think that would be okay. Well it's trial by fire one way or the other. So I really like Kaylee Nelson also. I, I like her arm.
3: I, I like, like the, her attitude. I
4: like the way she hits. Yeah, she's steady. I think she's she's tremendous. Her ability to extend and change direction of the ball is not like a typical female swing. Yeah. It I just don't, isn't.
3: I don't love Washington, just years of ingrainedness, in but I have to say my favorite player on that team's gotta be Liana Sabelden. The middle. Yeah. She's explosive. She doesn't look like, you kind of look at her and you're like, okay, cool. And then she gets up there and just up around the block, takes a big swing. I mean, she wasn't as successful against the Stanford Middles as I thought she might be. But I thought she would, you know, I think she's pretty excellent.
4: And I really enjoy watching her play. They didn't go to her a ton. Mm-mm. But you saw her go OT inky. <laughs> yeah. No problem. Yeah. Yeah, they set her almost a one and a half. It's mm-hmm. not quite a, a super yes. quick attack. Uh, but yeah, I was impressed with uh, with Sabella. I was also impressed with her blocking. I mean, obviously she's the leading blocker in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. But I was impressed with her ability to move along the net. And I think you're exactly on in saying she doesn't look like she would be an explosive athlete. She looks like just another pretty tall middle.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And then she gets out there, and she is hugely she's effective moved. upon the game.
3: She, you know, she's. You know, you're, When you're watching Middles, you're watching them guess which location she stays in the put. She, you know, she's got good eye work. It's something that you don't normally see out of Middles, just even at this stage. Maybe she'll head down to the gym at some point. I mean, she's reminds me a bit of Carly Wopat and the way that she moves and the way that she gets up and can can do some special things.
4: She's in that category of she'll have a career. Right. There's no doubt. Uh, in the national team, she might get beat out from a standpoint of opportunity mm-hmm. to a, a, a bigger, more physical-looking <laughs> The U.S. Little is inky. fairly
3: loaded at the middle block position.
4: Yeah, I mean, you look at how long, um, you look at how long it took. I'm trying to think of her name. Just got married. Was Krista Harmato. Krista Harmato. Krista uh, Dietzen now. Dietzen. If you look, you look at how long it took her to really rise in that national team. gym, it took four or five years of hard work, and she was. Really good. I remember seeing her years ago in the practice gym, and she was really good, strong, athletic, powerful, quick. It is a really tough spot to get into the national team. By
3: far deepest. Now, if you could be a passing outside going from there, you'd be a golden.
4: But if you look at a player like Sabeldin or you look at a player like Nelson and you say to them, you can have a really Really nice nice international career. Forget the national team. You might be in out of that gym. So you you might, can go live in Italy for there. a few
3: years and uh, make some pretty good money. and you know.
4: Yeah, you can make a great career.
3: Right. You ha-
4: They have the tools, absolutely. Really high on Kaylee Nelson. Really like what, what she's able to do. It's not something that a lot of women in the female game can do, get on the ball that way uh-huh. and hit the ball that way. So uh, hopefully their setter is okay. We're going to take a short break here on The Net Live, I think, Without Jeremy, this is much more difficult.
3: Your music or my music? What are we going with
4: here? No, I'm, I have the plug here. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I'm going to plug it in. Um, it, this is much harder without Jeremy. I'm going to say I miss Jeremy right now. I'm not sure I missed him earlier, but I'm going to miss him right now. And and I'm missing <laughs> not giving him this present. I'm kind of sad about that. But I'm going to put on something here. I don't even have it planned. That's the thing.
3: Oh, boy. We're just winging it in here in case anybody was wondering.
4: Well, well we had other stuff to focus on, you know?
3: Okay, a very nice long chat about NCAA tournament. Let's see what else we can come up with. Yeah, that's with the, the rest part of where show. a lot of
4: people tuned out. We still have Gabrielle Reese to come. Coming. We have part two of her interview. We'll have that uh, in the next part of the show. And a lot more, I'm sure, of inane discussion. We'll be right back. I think. Maybe. <laughs> what? Oh, I know why. Here. No? Yes.
3: Uh, What's going on here? Time to fill some voids here. What are we doing? <laughs> there you go. Do you have there another we silent
4: we'll
1: be
3: right back.
4: Welcome back to The Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. want to make sure we thank 6'8 Clothing Company, big supporter of this show for the last year. Met them last year up in Seattle at the Final Four. 6'8 Clothing Company, a new casual apparel company for the tall and athletic man. We're talking 6'3 and over. Everything is designed and produced up there in Seattle. No more do you have to pull your sleeves up. <laughs> Worry about your shirt being super duper fat. If you were to jump off a building, glide safely to the ground. That's not going to happen. 6 Eight Clothing Company has got you. They're going to look good. You're going to feel good. They have an attention to detail for the tall man that is not in other clothing. Dress well. Live tall. 6 Eight Clothing Company. Available at 6 That's with the number 8. You can also find them on Amazon. Go out and support them because they support this show, which you allegedly enjoy
3: what you're saying is the flying squirrel look in clothing is not the way to go.
4: It's not what I'm going after, uh, but it was a look that I've sported for many years. Yeah, I've uh, sported that for many years. Uh, welcome back, Kevin Barnett, along with Katie Charles here in studio. Thanks for being here. Just finished up our College of Volleyball Weekly post-selection episode. Man, the selection show.
5: That was
3: a lot.
4: Yeah, that, that was a lot. I'll tell you what, that is absolutely correct. Uh, that was a lot of information to gather, a lot of, whew, I'm tired. So so what we're going to have to do then, Katie, is we're going to have to uh, take a little bit more of a break. But we're going to give people something that they, that they want, that they've wanted, that they need. And that is the Gabrielle Reese interview. We had Gabrielle Reese in here a, a bit ago. You got part one a couple weeks ago on the show. Hope you and yours had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I want to give you part two of our sit-down with Gabrielle Reese. And if you're listening, you don't know who Gabrielle Reese is. <laughs> you better Google it right now. Uh, this is part two of the Gabrielle Reese interview on The Net Live. Writing is something you've done for a long time. Yeah. It, it appears to be something you really like. A lot of people remember your book, Big Girl in the Middle. I remember yeah. that one coming out. But you wrote a book and you did a whole tour for it last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, My Foot is Too Big for the Glass slipper. Love mm-hmm that reference, Mm -hmm. a guide to the less than perfect life. Uh, Cool to see, to see someone who outwardly, you know, people would look at it and go, Oh, Hawaii, Malibu, a couple of kids and model and this and that pro surfer, whatever. What a perfect life.
5: Um,
4: And I thought your, your acknowledgement of some of the the struggles that any married couple goes through. I think you said, I think most any married couple goes through kind of resonated with me. Having gone through kind of a rough patch for the last couple of years, a couple of years ago now, but yeah, um, something like that. What did you learn about yourself through that, through that process? And how did you go about putting that into the book?
6: Well, I used to do a blog, um, called death by domestication because I used to joke about how domestic living, right? There's repetition. What's for dinner? And there, you are it's all about food. Yeah. And you're, you're sleeping next to the same person every night and then there's your kids and you know, whatever. And I think sometimes that can really get to people Yeah. and your creativity and spontaneity and things like that. Those sort of can take a, a backseat. seat. So instead of getting freaked out by it, I just thought, let's, why can't we just have an open dialogue about, you know, death by domestication and how do you keep it at bay? And so I had written quite a bit of this already in sort of very short, chunky bits, and then I sat with the writer and we expanded it out. But I sort of felt like, hey, if you're going to write this book, then at least have the courage or the chutzpah to, you know, be as truthful as you can where it makes sense, um, you know, without being gratuitous. But, um yeah, because otherwise why bother? Right. You know, and it's hard enough as it is, and I sort of thought, why would you try to like my children are so well behaved and they listen all the time and Laird and I it's just perfect. Right. It's like why would you bother putting that out yeah. there? Yeah. They can read those books and yeah. watch you know, movies that fib to you about that. So why would you do that? Why not just sort of say, Hey, let's have an open dialogue. This is how it's been for us and um because I often think this and I'm certainly married to a person who lives like this. If it's just out there, it's a lot less scary. And, hmm. um, and, and it's
4: known. You can deal with wants it. And
6: who make a charade? Like, I yeah. so don't trust people that are like, everything's great, and it's great, and it's perfect. And I think, oh, they've got some deep dark. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, when I have a friend and he's like, oh, my wife is so crazy. And she's like, my husband. And, and I'm like, okay, they're, they're going to make it. Yeah. Because they can work it out, you know, because it isn't perfect. And so even though parts of Laird and I, our job is public, you know, listen, that's your job, but you can't separate who you are as a person and I think if people get so trapped into it, especially when you're public, you're fearful to really tell the truth about who you are, then it's a it's kind of a disaster.
4: How was the book for him for I, some of the stuff that you did and said on the tour and and how did that did any of that? <laughs> Oh, you mean when I
6: got killed about about being submissive? Yeah. Yeah, That was really funny. I called Laird, and I was like, (laughs) and he was at home with my kids, right, in Hawaii. And and I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting so roasted right now. But I knew that. When they asked me the question in Hawaii, the lady's like, no, I'm going to ask you something. And a lot of women are going to be upset. And I was like, oh, which thing? And I was trying to think, which thing? And I was like, there's a bunch. No, seriously. And then she said, you said that i be submissive. And I thought, Oh, and I said to her then the report "I go, you're gonna kill. This is gonna kill me. I'm gonna get killed on this. Yeah, because I see how you're gonna frame it. Yeah, because they didn't frame it in its entirety, right? It was the choice, and that then, and also the idea of service, like service to one's family. Yep. And I, th- I sort of said this many times too in the interviews. Why would you be married to somebody and not try to make it easier for them?
0: Why would right, you I thought try to? Great, great why comment, would you yeah. try to be combative? It's a team.
6: <laughs> Hello, and and also I have enough, an, at least enough confidence to go. If it's not working, I'm good. Like I'll stop doing that. But mm-hmm. I'm in charge of that. But I, why wouldn't I enter that relationship with that spirit? So um, Laird used to, was joking with me, and he said, "Well, first of all, people, you know, work really hard to try to get some kind of drama around their thing. You should be happy." And he's like, second of all, do you tell them that's what you think, but that's not what you do?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, Laird. Listen, Laird is a is a really human person who is. You know, one of the best people ever to talk about like your feelings or whatever, because he he he's not freaked out by any of that. Um, So he's like, yeah, of course, it's crazy and you go through hard times and you can work it out.
4: Harder thing to do a book tour Mm -hmm. or being a professional volleyball athlete on a tour in the summer. Oh. Which is more taxing or maybe well, maybe think, just maybe a media tour that you've been on right now or,
6: you know, yeah. doing some
4: bi- developing business. You
6: know, I have to say volleyball because it means so much more. Hmm. You know, you want to win. And so that's on your mind. OK. And the I don't want to say the stress, but the intensity of that feeling all the time is, you know. I don't worry about, like, when I'm going to go do an interview the next day, like, oh, is it going to work out? I just – it's like you can do it. Because I don't want to say you can fake it, but the thing is about sport, and that's what I loved about sport, you have to deliver. You cannot fake it. You must perform. So, you know, if I'm feeling a little extra tired, you just tell the makeup artist, like, slap on a little underneath the eyes and I'll figure it out. Yeah. But in volleyball, it was, like, very truthful, which I liked, but it makes it more to risk.
4: Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. People ask me a lot about being a player and and playing professionally, and then doing this for a living and mm-hmm. being a broadcaster. And I said, well, one of the hardest things I struggle with is that there's no metrics now. Right. Like no, before, it all comes down to if they like you, because before, right. it was well, you can like him or not yeah. like him. He'll get 30 kills. Who cares? That's right. You know, and somebody could make that measurement, and but at the end, there was a number behind yeah. their decision. Yeah. In this business, there's no, no
6: number. It's no. just uh, we. Yeah, we we like them. It's doing okay. Yeah. I understand. That's how I felt about modeling. That's why I was like, uh, it's so subjective that I thought I want to do something that if I train a little bit harder and I play a little bit better, Mm -hmm. then I have a chance
4: I'll perform better. You have some control.
6: Correct. And I believe that in anything in life. I think people should develop some kind of skill set because then at least they have it for themselves. Never mind, um, because everyone will tell you what they think about you, and that doesn't really matter. Where if you have your own skill set, at least you you can rest comfortably in that. Um, so that was always really something that motivated me a lot, uh, to your point, because with modeling, I went, oh, yeah. You know, because for every 50 things you were up for, you got three, if you right. were lucky. Right. You just weren't right for it. They were looking for somebody darker. What does that somebody mean? Taller. But <laughs> yeah. that's another great lesson is you learn, don't take anything personal. Yeah. Because if they wanted a five foot two oriental girl, I'm probably not your girl. So why would I take that? Why would I be like, oh, I didn't get that job. It must be me. Never mind. It's just, you know, they need something different. So
4: to so keep churning through the opportunities.
6: Yeah. and just And just have the faith that when things are right for you, they will arrive to you. And everything else. Is either something that's getting you ready for that next opportunity? you know I call it like water on the stone. it's just that polishing that occurs and and nothing, nothing is born out of peace and smoothness. Everything comes out of friction, hmm. right think about nature it's not like a oh, it's such a calm it's it, so people have to i think learn to embrace struggles and things like that that's part of shift and change and new things coming.
4: I was waiting for a volcano reference there, no, given the no. Hawaii connection and the people. <laughs> i try not and, be too no. obvious.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
4: so you and Laird split your time between Malibu and Hawaii. You guys mm-hmm. just moved back to Hawaii. Why, yeah. why the seasons? Because it's the surfing season now, yeah. in why?
6: So when we met in 95, I was competing, and so my season was sort of April through September-ish,
4: mm-hmm. and
6: then his was October through um Perfect. March, I know. It's one of those things where you're like, oh, it's destiny. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and
6: um, so we've been doing that ever since. And he's still surfing, so we go there for him, and um, we come back here uh, not only for a change, but also I think it's I like it for my children to sort of for them to see, hey, it's a big world. Mm-hmm. And um, and you know, I I like California. I enjoy living here.
4: Maybe watch Dad shoot the pier when there's a huge oh, yeah. swell. <laughs> how was that for you on the? the- the other side of it, watching it you happen. You know,
6: I have to be honest with you. I can speak frankly about this now. Um, you know, we joke about perceived risk. What Laird does on a very regular basis when we're in Hawaii is probably considerably more dangerous than that. Yeah. And it was very interesting to see people's response. Like somehow that was a very big deal. Like everyone went and people back. Like, I can't believe you let Laird do that. I was like, like Laird is foiling with a you know a, a three and a half foot blade you know, out in the most North Island in Hawaii in giant open surf. And, um, but you know, it just goes to show you how things are framed and put out there. Yeah. People go like, that's very dangerous. And you go, okay. So it was, you know, for, I think for Laird, it was nice to have big surf in, in uh, Malibu and a nice little fun challenge. But I think probably he's done things that are quite a bit heavier.
4: Yeah. Than yeah. I've had to see. It's all about perspective.
6: Yeah. Well, that's what you said, experience. perceived yeah. risk, right? Yeah. So, um, anyway, so but listen, Laird is very safe and and prepared. He trains really hard, and he has a lot of respect for the power of the ocean. He's not, you know, kind of foolhardy. Right. So he's
4: not some stupid college kid coming down from Pepperdine. Well, he to, doesn't say uh, like, "Dude,
6: I'm going to kill it," and <laughs> i just hammered it down. Yeah. You find that in people, in yeah, you know, I seen this across the board, like from doing those, you know, the TV shows of MTV Sports, great athletes who do very dangerous sports if they not one of them will ever talk about how much they killed something like for example lair when he comes in he'll say my board worked really well today Hmm. the way was very friendly i Hmm. my body felt good whatever they never will talk about like i so shredded it and this and that because they're i think they're closer to the source of power or if you've got a rock climber they're Mm -hmm. higher that they know you don't you're just being allowed you're not you're not conquering anything.
4: Mm-hmm. You're just
6: getting for that moment to flow with it. So, anytime someone talks like the other way, I go, "Oh, they're not. I know they're not very good."
4: Interesting. All right, now a Wikipedia test here because right. Wikipedia is uncontrollable, right? So yeah. the Malibu Mob. Oh yeah. They claim that you hang out with John Cusack, Chris Chelios, John McEnroe, and John C. McKinley, who yeah. I had to look up, but I recognize. Johnny C. Yeah. Uh, is that accurate?
6: It is. I don't see Q, uh, Cusack. Who's
4: missing? No.
6: Cusack that often. I know. Okay, Cusack. we'll cross him
4: off the list. I, he's <laughs> all right. out of
6: there. But Chelly and uh, Johnny C, I, cu- I see uh, quite a bit, quite a bit, and uh, and Johnny Mac when he's in from New York and you know traveling around. Him and his family come in the summer. So yeah, we. Oh yeah, that's a lot of testosterone too when all those guys get together. <laughs> oh my God, Laird and these boys there. They're serious, these guys.
4: Well, obviously Chris has done something at a high level, as has John. Yeah. Uh, how about How about McGinley? Is he McGinley's, keeping up?
6: McGinley's a tough guy.
4: Is he? Yeah, you he have is. to be to be with that crowd. You no, know,
6: listen, he's a tough guy, and he is the most straightforward, funny people that one could ever meet. I mean, you know, listen, he's from the East Coast. He's a you know, he's a Jersey guy. He's not messing around, and he worked hard. Like when he trains, yeah, he trains hard. That guy.
4: How do you guys blend your schedules and and being parents? Just because well, I know well, I'm busy. Traveling and yeah. doing broadcasting. My wife's working and she's busy and we got the two kids and yeah. and it, it it's gotta be a challenge like everybody else has.
6: It is. I think Laird and I are very fortunate in one thing, which is one, we can either take our children with us, two, one of the parents will always be home. Three, we don't have office jobs.
4: You control your own destiny. So I'm a around. Bit. Yeah. Like a
6: lot of times if I'm when I'm done training I might be in my home office sitting on my computer dealing with work, but I'm there. Yeah. And so um this is something that both Laird and I are really committed to, and again, I want to repeat, is a luxury mm-hmm. because other we other people don't get to dictate their schedule as much as we do. So we, compared to most people, have it very easy.
4: All right, a few quick questions okay. here before we let you go. Best college match?
6: Oh, my goodness. Do you remember? I think we played um, LSU at Florida State, and they were supposed to womp us pretty good. And I okay. think we barely eked it out in five. I might be
4: able to find some stats. I don't know. I I saw a couple years' worth of stats for you, but it was like old dot matrix type. It was hilarious. (laughs) Green screen. I couldn't believe somebody actually took a picture of it and stuck it up there somewhere. Oh, that's funny. It was on there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Best pro match? Uh,
6: I think I – oh, okay. I had a good pro match. Um, I had some good ones in Brazil, but I had one in particular. It was a night tournament, and we played in Detroit. And I remember this is this is why it was the best. I mean, the team won, but what was interesting for me was I just remember every ball went down, and there was no confusing who was going to get the ball, right? Like yeah, I to, like I told Stephanie Cox I want the ball. They knew I was getting the ball, and for whatever reason, it was one of those games where it just everything was was very fluid.
4: It just found the floor, Yeah, the same. I remember I like thinking, it. why
6: can't I play like this all? <laughs> <laughs> I
4: think we've all been there. All right, most memorable volleyball moment. It could be any travel, any anything associated with the sport of volleyball at all.
6: You know, okay, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't, I probably don't have really one. But I had this conversation with Carrie Walsh. Carrie Walsh was groomed to be a winner, right? From very early, her high school, Stamford. Mm-hmm on. If Carrie Walsh goes on the court, she believes she will win. If she does not win, it is because she did not do something. No one in her mind should beat her, right? Yeah. Me, I fell into volleyball and then I fell into the pros. And what what I always say people don't realize is that volleyball kind of saved my whole saved my life, really. Like if I didn't have volleyball, I don't think I would have ever have been led to the life that I've had. And so what I have won from volleyball is very different, I think, than someone like Carrie, who is really, you know, getting something else also, in addition to the, from the sport, where me, it was like, it gave me like a family and a platform and discipline and all of these things and self-confidence that helped parlay into quite a few other things in my life. So I think volleyball the moment has been the entire experience that's really why i love the game and that's why i love sports is because when you can put yourself in situations and work with other people and and be in uncomfortable situations and perform and work hard and all these things this gets you in touch with your who you are as a person and i think when you can do that sooner than later and you have the skills to work hard and be disciplined and believe that that formula works i think that's really helpful in life because you're an athlete I mean, you can be an athlete your whole life, but your you know high intensity af- athletics is is kind of a short period of time in your life.
4: Yeah, but that person doesn't leave.
6: Well, that's, that's what per- That I mean. person's
4: so still there even when the knees are broken. Well, yeah, I'm familiar.
6: <laughs> uh, yes, but you can, can at least you have the formula to redirect it. Yeah. Um, to other things.
4: All right. You so you played for Cecile Renaud. So yeah. Coach quote that you remember or something you've carried. With her um, makes you think uh, of.
6: Cecile said this once. We were, we were all playing. I don't even remember who we were playing. And we weren't playing. Not only were we not playing well, we had bad attitudes. The worst combination, right? Mm-hmm. Like at least if you're trying but you're not executing, okay. So we, we were terrible. And then we had a bad attitude. So we, she calls timeout. And usually she'd be like, hey, you know, set them or pass there, or serve there, or whatever. She says not one word. We're all in the huddle like, you know, tell us something. And then right before we go out, she puts her hand in. And she goes, hey, listen, I don't know what to tell you. I can't want to win more than you. Hmm. Like, you're going to have to want like to win first before I can even help you. And think about that with friends in your life, right? You can help your friends out, but if they're not even at the place where they're ready, you go, hey, like, I'm not going to have this conversation over and over. Like you're your kids. Yeah. And so I think um, she really – and she and and she was – again, she was always about personal accountability. She used to joke that I was the only player she had when she pulled me out of a game. I'd sit right next to her and go, what's up? You usually hmm. go to the end of the bench. Yeah, I go, okay, what's up? Why, why are you irritated? So Cecile is really great. And Gary Sato, by the way, was an unbelievable coach.
4: He's an upstanding dude, Gary he was. Sato.
6: I learned more about volleyball from Gary than any person. Um, and his love and passion for volleyball were really infectious. Grow sure. the
4: game, Gary Sato. All right, uh, most fun MTV sports segment or experience? I, I saw Street Luge on this list. Street Whitewater water kay- kayaking?
6: kayaking. was not fun. Did so you it hung out around.
4: with Biker Sherlock. Did, did oh, yeah. that happen? Oh, I did. Man, why? He might be a cool dude. That the whole thing around him just bugged me.
6: Wait, which thing?
4: Just that the way it was all presented, he was so like broed out, and and it was just like Street Luge was a big deal. Your like, instincts
6: might be correct. <laughs> I, I had fun. You know, Charles Barkley, I've known for a really long time. He's awesome. Yeah, um, and and in a respect for him, he was getting ready for a game against the Heat. I just went in the hot tub with him with all my clothes on so that he didn't have to go separate and do the interview separate while he was <laughs> all in, nice. between. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. in between. I literally turned go. shorts. I was like, this way we'll save you time and you can go to, you know, the training room and go play. And he's like, um, I think, you know, um, I almost drowned in the river. That was not that fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, skydiving is always kind of interesting. You know, I, there were so many things. You know what I really enjoyed doing with the with the dragsters of any kind, drag cars and drag bikes. Yeah. So I got to ride those, and those are really fun. Really fun.
4: Yeah, motorsports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk a lot about supercross and motocross in the show. It gets people it's on great. our volleyball
1: podcast. We talk a lot yeah. about yeah, well, it's it's my
4: podcast. No, trust me, I know. Mine. Trust me, I'm <laughs> well aware.
6: It's it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the it's the Trojan horse. The volleyball the Trojan horse. <laughs> yeah. Really it. Exactly. That's how we get is.
4: everybody in and talk about yeah. everything else. That's all it is. Um, Okay, I got one other celebrity question for you. Okay. Chelsea lately said she would work out with you because oh, she was scared. Yeah, or, no. ch- pardon me, Chelsea Handler. Yeah, yeah. Um, she said she would work out with you. How's that happened?
6: No, she, every time she oh, sees me, see. she just looks at, like, because she's a friend of mine, you know, and she just looks at me like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Why so you know, so she, tall? But she's, you know, she actually kind of, to me, she must be doing something secret because she looks great. And, um, She's a very – I think people don't realize, like, what a softy, sweetie she really is. Because she plays this kind of rough, well, like around-the-edges no, character. She has man and, sensibility, yeah. and that makes us all very uncomfortable. I like that. When you see an attractive woman, and then she really has man delivery, it makes people very uncomfortable. Yeah, they don't know how to handle it. Well, no. she's,
4: she's probably down with your quote that I read here. I think the language that men understand and they receive is through food and sex. And yeah. I thought, well, sure.
6: But I mean, how, let's not overcomplicate things. We're, no, we're I'm, simple
4: creatures. I do. You. We're thank simple you. creatures.
6: I'm just trying to get to in my life. I just want to keep simplifying it. Like let's <laughs> peel it back. Let's get right to just it. Just grunting. Let's just. Yeah, just pr- a whole well, bunch we're going to get there. Really <laughs> there. Yeah, like...
4: Paleo diet and paleo communication, maybe. Yeah. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Seriously, I think we've over we've made this world. You know, with computers, internet, we actually have less direct and you know. Sort of gotten all convoluted and weird so i always try when i wherever i can to have it kind of as straight up as i as i can get it
4: well we do a whole ton of phone interviews on this and i've said to people it's always better if the guest is here we've done a couple hours with Sinjin, we've had yeah. michael hara in here we've oh, had yeah. all kind of people to just sit in and talk hoisty yeah. so body language and then yeah. they understand if you're joking or not joking it's easier in person yeah. and there's no delay and crap
6: what does my body language say to you right now
4: that you're just relaxed you need more Kombucha? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I want to jump in right here. Kevin Barnett Live, back here on the Net Live. Uh, We had some technical difficulties because it wouldn't be the Net Live if we didn't have technical difficulties, Katie. All the time. Uh, At this point, something got touched on the computer. We lost a little bit of Gabby. We started talking to her about fitness. We talked to her about her new High x program, which is a workout that you're going to start seeing around gyms around Southern California and other areas across the United States that she's been working on. Uh, High x is something I think you should go check out. Gabby wanted you to go check it out. We have a couple more minutes here of this interview. So here is the, uh, the remainder, the conclusion of our time on the patio with Gabby Reese. And continuing on with fitness now mm-hmm. and, and adopting it as a lifestyle, do you feel like maybe finally now it's kicking over a little bit to the general population in a way it hasn't in the last 15 years?
6: I mean, yes and no. I, w- I was fortunate enough to have great trainers, and I looked at it as my job, and I always had something to prove, too, I think, secretly. I always felt like I should work harder than everybody so that, except Holly McPeak, it's harder. It's hard to work harder You can't outwork Holly. Hard, hard to outwork hard Holly. But <laughs> I always felt like, okay, at least, you know, because it was sometimes a, a, a bit of a conflict for me the amount of attention I got and then the playing ball. So I thought, okay, at least if I kick my yeah. own butt, I, I can look myself in the mirror kind of thing. But the thing I see now um, is I do see people. My only concern is, is getting people to understand about movement for health versus movement because I want to be like have, be ripped Okay. Because those are two very different things. Because really if someone's incredibly ripped sometimes and, you know, tight and all this stuff, they're actually there. It's not expansion. Right, it's compression, and so and and they, if you said, hey, I'll, I'll race you to the you know end of the dock, they can't move, right? So I think for me, it's about people understanding about vitality, really, and yes, that is through training, but it's about the right kind of training, and about how they're eating and their stress and everything else. Um, but yes, I do see, certainly the athletes are way ahead. When I graduated yeah. high school, I had never lifted a weight in my life. Really? No. And then I went to Florida State and I started, but it's really when I turned pro that I was like, oh, it's my job, I better get serious and get some good information. But I do see more and more, but I see the other way too. I see people who are you know more they're eating worse, they're more they're on their computers, they're, you know, sitting longer periods of time. So I see I see both, really.
4: All right, well keep uh, keep advocating for the the first option. For
6: I people. will. I mean, and that's why I'm trying to just do something where it's fun and you can do it with a friend. Like, Hayek you have a teammate, so you go together, but you're not doing something the same as everybody else. Everybody's at their own station, mm-hmm. so you're not competing with somebody, but you do have a teammate that, like, if they're killing it and you feel tired and you look over, you go, oh, I can get through it. Or you say, like, I'll meet you there at 830 or whatever, so you have to show up. Yeah, accountability. Yeah, and so it's just about creating, and I even call the trainers coaches. Because they're not it's not about them and watching them. They're just creating the environment for you to mm-hmm. be successful. So that's, you know, my athletics has kind of, I, I think I even parent with sports analogies. It's terrible, but I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever gone through that, but I'm like, it's kind of like this, you know, and I go, oh, my God, you know. Yeah,
4: you know, I, and then you get the kickback. <laughs> like,
6: I know, I can't just look at me like, what language do you talk? But, you know.
4: My oldest telling me, Dad, I'm not like you. I'm not going to play volleyball. Go, oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Six months later, he wants the pepper in the front yard. Now, now he wants to play. So.
6: Yeah, but you just have to have, like, an uncle or somebody, you know, somebody one of your friends. Listen, yeah. uh, we always joke, an expert, somebody who lives a mile away.
4: <laughs> that's a great yeah. one. True. Even on with problem. your
6: husband or wife, right? It's like, honey, you should get this. Uh-huh. And the neighbor comes over, you should get that. And you go, that is such a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same with your kids. Just find a friend that you trust very much and be like.
4: I've said this to my wife about something. i would be like, I know you don't like to listen to me. You don't like my opinion about this particular thing, but I think I'm right. You should ask Somebody someone else. else. Yeah, but, this person. You
6: shouldn't preface it by that.
4: Well, we did it the other night actually, because I I had to go spend a gift certificate. We had this gift certificate I bought at auction, and it's expiring, and so I have to go because she's at work. So I got to go shop for a dress. No, that's not true. Absolutely, hundred percent true. I go down and I get the dress that I that I think's okay. I come back and she puts it on, and she's telling me, "Oh, I don't like this," or that. I'm like. Look you gray? look great. I'm like, you look really good. She's like, no, this part doesn't. I'm like, look, I'm going to take a picture. You have to send it to a female friend before yeah. you tell me to take <laughs> Wait, it back. Did keep the dress? No. I had to go buy another one.
6: <laughs> Seriously? I lost. I just want to say you're a good man, that you can go to the dress shop and get your
4: That's impressive. Thank you. That is
6: seriously the most masculine thing I've heard today. Awesome. Seriously. Gosh. No, I'm serious. That's 17-year-old
4: that's me willing to That's fry. how you end the show, Kevin.
6: The <laughs> Drop the mic seriously. and walk away.
4: So she got another dress. She liked the second dress that I picked. She up. did?
6: Okay. Yeah. But so. still, the fact that you can man up and go, that's pretty amazing. Thanks. Yeah. Serious.
4: Gabby Reese, thank you
6: thank for you. being
4: here. This has been fantastic. Uh, please check her out at uh, Truition, or no, yeah, GabbyandLaird.com. Gabby and, and what about Hi-X?
6: And Hi-X is high x com. And uh, there's even, if they just want stuff for me it's just gabbyreese.com
4: great check it out you have a blog there i saw and a lot of stuff with with your uh with your various endeavors my foot is too big for the glass slipper out last year a guide to the less than perfect life thank you very much thank you all right there you go gabby reese there's an hour with gabby reese for you here on the net live that's it that's what we got that's what you got i thought there's some funny stuff in there
3: there's some good stuff in there
4: the uh an expert is someone that lives a mile away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've experienced that. Uh, Laird and watching Laird doing what he does. You know, I'm around, I've been around quite a few extreme athletes with Supercross and watching stuff and girlfriends and wives, and it is not easy for them to watch what, what their spouses do. But it's the same thing. Your, your measurement of risk, that measurement exists against your own experience, So somebody that goes and skis the bumps on a mountain, somebody else looks at that and goes, you're nuts. (laughs) The person who's doing it goes, no, because they've built to that point. Mm -hmm. Someone who goes and rides recreational motocross. Somebody goes, that's crazy. go, no, because I've built to that point. And we had a broken collar going along the way, but whatever. Uh, But, yeah, it's it's interesting to hear her say that, you know, that perceived risk for her is nothing there even though everyone else is blowing it up. And well, and one of the reasons that happened, because nobody does that here. There's never good good enough surf to do it here. You can't practice and do it, and Laird is a unique animal. So that was kind of cool. Uh, and, and I also thought that was great. And I want people to take this, because I think you can carry this to a lot of different places. When she was talking about Carrie Walsh winning and saying that the way that Gabby won, quote-unquote, from the sport, was different. Mm -hmm. She won opportunities. She won a lifestyle. She won friends, a community, a lot of things from the sport, but not necessarily titles, not Olympic medals, not some of the other things that some of the other champions have, but she has won a lot of things. And I think people need to remember that no matter the pursuit, whether you're pursuing volleyball collegiately or you're pursuing it professionally or you're pursuing it as a recreational sport, there are a lot of ways to win from your participation in anything Including volleyball, yeah, I like that. And uh, and another comment about Carrie, and this is the way I always felt. I remember in describing it, and maybe it's kind of a centric, self-centric view, but when even when I kind of sucked, when I lost, I felt like it was in my control, and I never lost that. I never lost the feeling that it was in my control, and maybe I wasn't of the ability yet to have success in that situation, but getting to that point, the ability to eventually get there, I always felt like was still in my control. I always, like, when I left a match, there weren't plays that I looked at or I saw or something that an opponent did to me that I felt like I couldn't cope with.
3: I think that's probably the hallmark of any really strong athlete in general. Like, they feel empowered to handle the things that are coming at them. Like, I didn't win, now what do I do to fix that? Like it's, it's that learning process. If you're not willing to do the learning practice process, then, you know, even if it's through like getting pissed off that you lost Mm -hmm. and figuring it out. But so many people are like, Oh, well, you know, we lost. Okay. I mean, where's the real competitive drive. I think that's kind of the hallmark of any truly competitive drive is feeling like you can control a situation and then learning from it so that the next time it comes your way, you're prepared.
4: It's irrational to believe that you can be better than somebody who is already 10 steps ahead of you, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. But that belief is the thing that's going to get you to that point.
3: Or the belief in, okay, what's the next step that gets me one step closer every time? Like, it, you're either willing to work towards what that next step is so that you can catch up. And if you're not, and you're just there to play, you're just there to enjoy it, then that's probably a pretty mediocre way to handle things. Like, there's some probably truly great athletes from a physical standpoint that have that mentality and are just okay.
4: Yeah. There's, there's never been a play in volleyball that I've seen that I don't feel like I could replicate aside from say touching 12, six can't do that. 12, four cannot touch as high as man Anderson can touch. But is there a play that he has made that I feel like I'm not athletically capable of, of reproducing, or I wasn't, obviously now I'm not, but I wasn't. At the time I was building my career, watching uh, watching all the, the big stars back then or watching the, the national team play, watching the AVP guys play. There was never anything I felt like I couldn't get to. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't there then, but I felt like I could get there. and I And I believe that I could get there. I'm fortunate enough to have the capability to get there, which – some people aren't born with. We've had that discussion on this well, show before. Well, and that's before.
3: some of the like management of it. Like, you always hope you have athletes that believe they can get to anything or do anything. And then from the coaching side, we have to have a management perspective of, okay, can they? <laughs> no, it's not even. It's not even can they. Is what is reasonable to be mm-hmm. expected? Like. That shot somebody hits in the very far corner, that five six seam, and you know the outside hitter puts it in the perfect spot. And I have kids, oh, I can do this, but we have to think like, okay, that's I'm not going to change my defense because they hit that shot once. It's a management perspective when it comes to the two different things, and you know that's I guess sometimes I think why really great athletes don't make great coaches because they don't have that valve. They can't shut it off and say, you know what, <laughs> you should be able to get to that ball, and then they're too busy trying to essentially plan for what already happened rather than preparing for the next thing or playing the odds, I guess would be the best way to look at it. Their just expectation is everybody will get to everything.
4: Do they not have a realistic view of what people are capable of? Well, I think sometimes as a coach, they everybody on the court that, to be right? six
3: of themselves, and that's a little bit hard.
4: <laughs> but as a coach, you, you want your player to believe they can get everything. But right. you as a coach are tasked with understanding what they can or can't really do. Right. Right. Or can or can't really do Or putting them
3: in a situation where they can succeed more often than they fail. I guess okay. would be the best way to put it. Like, you know, we're not going to say, like, okay, my middle back defender or my libero can't cover both, you know, the five and that deep seam. So how do we make an adjustment here? Like finding a way for your team to be successful and understanding their limitations while consistently pushing them to to expand those limitations. I guess would be the best way to put it. And sometimes you have these people who are wonderful players who you know they were balls of the wall all the time. They don't have that understanding of okay, there's there's going to be all different kinds. I guess is the best way to put it. Like not everybody athlete, every athlete in your team is going to be like that. When you start from everybody needs to be the way I was. And that's, you know, something from a coaching side that I hear a lot of our younger coaches are like, well, I could do this when I played or, and that's a trap that a lot of them fall into. Like, well, why can't they do the things that I could do? Well, how long did it take you to be able to do those things? right Like you're asking a 16-year-old to do something that you couldn't do until you were a senior in college. Maybe your expectations are off of
4: yeah, it's understanding. Tough to, <laughs> it's tough to sit in that space and figure that out.
3: Yeah. And it's, it's a perspective matter. It takes time until you've, you know, created a coaching philosophy. And again, that's some of the best players, they just they never had to think really hard about anybody else on the court. You know, they may have been mm-hmm. the center of attention. They may have been the person that always was, you know, they don't They don't have the perspective of what it's like to be the, like, least important person who's on the court right now. <laughs> like, okay, I'm the kid that's never getting set. I'm the kid, you know, I'm over here just to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. You know, luckily in volleyball, you can keep people a little more. How do you and,
4: motivate that you kid? Know,
3: how do you get that kid going? Or the one that's like, I just want to do my job. Like, <laughs> Sometimes the people that just wanted to do their job or were really good at you know what they did make better coaches because they're they're able to to say I could do this and my development got me to here and then there were these great people and I know how to manage the personality of that star athlete because I had to stand on the court with them all the time you know stuff along those lines but you know it's definitely an interesting
4: perspective on it. Yeah, it's a tough thing to mention. That's what you know. You you have to be a great coach. You have to understand those things to be a great coach. You have to figure those out. I want to go through the field of 64. Yes, let's do it. I want to do it in a minute here. i got to fix something. So <laughs> oh we're going to take a short break.
3: <laughs> what did we break this time?
4: Uh, we haven't broken anything. Nothing yes. Nothing is destroyed.
3: Music queued up over there. Are you good?
4: Uh, no, because I'm trying to figure out iTunes again. So Hand me those we're, we're almost there. No, we're not. We are almost there. Relax, Katie. <laughs> it's going to be okay. I'm trying to keep us on task here. No, <laughs> no, I'm going to play Why this because I, I sent this to some friends saying, you know, this you could warm up to this. Maybe some teams will warm up to this in the uh, in the women's game. Good, be a good women's warm up. Oh boy, <laughs> no. we'll be right back on the net live. Kevin and Katie, it's the K and K show. you warm up to this? Huh? Doable.
3: Doable? Okay. I think it'd have to be in the middle of a mix of like a little bit more upbeat songs. It's like kind of a... Yeah. I don't know. I could throw it in there. I could it, see it happening.
4: Okay. All right. So focus. So focus. Tidal Wave. That's uh Taurus Deluxe version. Go check it out on iTunes. All right. Welcome back to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin and Katie. We are here in studio.
3: Kelly. Kelly. <sighs>
4: Kelly, sorry. Not Kelly. allowed to be
3: referred to as Katie anymore.
4: <laughs> Madam Chuckles. <laughs> we have given you a bunch of information. College Volleyball Weekly, we open the show with Brandon and Vinny, giving us some info on that. Good discussion. If you missed it, go back and check it out. Uh, we also had Gabby Reese Part 2. Thanks again to Gabby for sitting down with us. You can go to GabbyandLaird.com and uh, check them out. They have some good stuff there. Truition, their uh, brand of nutritional supplements, as well as X workout stuff that they have going right now. So check that out and patronize Gabby's stuff because she was kind enough to sit down with us. Now, field of 64. We're going to save mascot challenge until Jeremy is back and the field gets reduced a little bit. (laughs) Too many mascots to come up with Uh, right now. We can't go through the whole thing. But I do want to go through and and make some picks here and people can make their picks along with us. And if you want to make your picks online, you have some good options here. Asics and Volleyball Mag have an NCAA D1 Women's Volleyball Challenge bracket. It will be up later today. The challenge it it's is up the already, challenge. I think. Is, is there the is camp- there one? No, that's camp a different one. That. That's a different one. That's Volleyball Source magazine. So they have a couple different places to enter the challenge. How
3: many times can you do this and hope you? It's like March Madness. How many brackets can I fill out and hedge my bets for which first-round upset I'm going to see here?
4: Exactly. <laughs> I was terrible last year because I oh, just God, I picked some stuff.
3: My problem is with the basketball one. I pick with my heart. I always choose Duke, and
4: they always disappoint me. <laughs> I filled out and the one. one
3: year I don't pick them is the year they win.
4: I filled out an NCAA bracket last year for women's volleyball based on the mascot challenge. <laughs> oh, that boy. did not work out very well. <laughs> Who won in your bracket that challenge? was not good. Yikes. Uh, so anyway, you can go to A6 Volleyball Mag and check them out. there challenge. Go to VolleyballMag.com VolleyballMagazine.com and then you can go to Volleyball Source Magazine and check them out. We'll get some, some links up for you but you guys can go and check those out and be a part of those challenges. Let's give our picks right here. Uh, we will start with Stanford. In that bracket there, Mm -hmm. the number one. See, they call this, they always refer to it as like the Ames-Iowa bracket, right? They refer to it by the regional.
3: Are they Ames? Is that where they're headed? That's
4: Ames. That's Ames. That's Ames. So Stanford-Bakersfield in the first round. Stanford Uh,
3: versus WAC champion. uh,
4: Who cares? I'm writing down Stanford. I
3: know. Yes, I'm going Stanford as well.
4: Intriguing in the second one. Michigan State and Loyola Marymount for the right to play Stanford.
3: You know, that one.
4: That's a tough one.
3: One I got a I got to throw a shout out, out on here. State. Michigan State's libero is possibly one of the best liberos in the country. Corey Master. excellent. Okay. The rest of them have been all over the place. Now Michigan State is playing. You know there were a bunch of injuries. They're a little bit down. They have a great freshman setter. You know another sports performance kid around the same time as Lauren Carlini, just behind her, mm-hmm. um, who's been awesome. But they've been super inconsistent. Loyola Marymount is the team that at the beginning of the season made us doubt whether UCLA could make it to eligible by knocking them off. Right. But, you know, Uh, they started out hot and have been a little shaky towards the end of this. I think I'm going to go Michigan State. I think their size will be too much for Loyola Marymount.
4: Okay. I'm going to take Loyola Marymount. I'm going to take the Fighting Tom Blacks. Fighting Tom Blacks. Fighting Tom Blacks. Aaron Benning.
3: It's It's a good staff over there at
4: Loyola Marymount. So I will take Loyola Marymount. You and I can differ on that one. Okay. I think either way, whoever goes to the the next round uh, they go to slaughter like like <laughs> lambs in the night i think it's going to be
3: fast i i think stanford is very happy to see michigan state and not michigan just for the mental block that
4: uh, you know that's no a couple years ago you don't think they want revenge come on i think
3: they're you know i think they're okay with michigan not being in the field of 64 this year at least not in their part of the bracket i mean they didn't make it in
4: but I got this nice pen from the U.S. Olympic Committee, but I think it's out of ink already. Would you like another pen? I think I would have one in Are my bag. Are you serious? <laughs> doesn't like you very much. Are you? Olympic Committee. This thing lasted about a half a second. It's a, It has the light on it. still works. Please I, don't blind me I it. have. I have other pens. Here. I have other pens. Okay, fine. I'm just trying to be I'm, helpful. I'm Keep us rolling here. USOC. A you wanted out. to go fast. <laughs> a little bummed out on my pen. Oh, boy. All right. Creighton. Taking on Oregon State. Oh. <sighs> This is a tough one. Oregon I, State.
3: I love Mary Kate Marshall.
4: Middle of the Pac-12. Mary Kate Marshall, incredible freshman season out of Texas.
3: And I think their right side is underrated. Shout. I think she does a really nice job. Shout
4: waited a long time, got a lot better. Her mom, all time best player in Oregon State history in women's basketball. basketball. Right? Yep, yep, a legend.
3: Yeah. Uh, and I have honestly, I have not seen Creighton this year.
4: I have not either. I'm going to take Creighton.
3: I also love Oregon State's libero. I'm going Oregon State. Okay, Darby Readers, keeping that team
4: settled. Yeah, for she's sure. a nice player. I like Oregon Good State. Player. I could see it going either way. She's really. your best
3: outlet setting libero in
4: the Pac-12. Yeah, I want to take OSU. I want to take Terry Laskavage, but I gotta yeah. do. I gotta break up my bracket a little bit. Here. <laughs> All <laughs> You're right. Really? U uh... L U A L R Little Rock against Kansas. I'll make this quick. Sorry, U A L R. You do that. I, I took Kansas. Yeah, Kansas I think I'm going to go
3: Kansas too. Although I think Kansas as a seed is. Uh, questionable.
4: Illinois Murray State. Illinois. Illinois. I think even...
3: Kevin Hambley's
4: are in. That's right. The sweater clad Kevin up. Hambley's.
3: We got to give sweater Kevin Hambley, shirt. we got to send him the 68 clothing thing because he's always got his sleeves rolled up every that's time he coaches. Point. I'm trying to decide that's good if that's point. a uh, Somebody
4: put Kevin Hamley on blast on Twitter with Six Eight Clothing Kansas he's got to his, figure it out.
3: Is he too warm, <laughs> or
4: is he really yeah just
3: too long for the shirts? That's
4: he, a question. But he no, needs yeah, a he needs like a tablecloth print though. He's a he's a big fan of the small checks. <laughs> he does like the little checks. He likes the little checks. Is that available on Six Eight? I don't know, but we could we could maybe hook him up with uh, with some custom clothes. Maybe he needs that. All right, Illinois and Murray State. We got that one. Western Kentucky and Iowa State. Ooh, it's a tough pick right here. One of the more interesting matchups?
3: I'm going to get yelled at, but I'm going to take Western Kentucky.
4: I just took them as well.
3: Okay. Iowa State thought they had a chance for a seed. I know they were really disappointed when they found out they were being sent to Illinois. Uh, I just think Western Kentucky, they're small, they're speedy. It's just a different style of offense that Iowa State hasn't seen much in the Big 12. And I think ultimately the speed of Western Kentucky will
4: Will outdo the shaky ball handling of Iowa State in the Florida matchup, University of Central Florida against Miami. Oh. That's a toss up, isn't it?
3: I really like Savannah Lee playing for, for Miami. Um, I like her a lot. She played for the British national team in the last Olympics. She is now a senior there, so I think that kind of leadership is going to get them through. Really athletic team, so I'm taking Miami.
4: All right, I'm going to take Miami as well.
3: And the next one, I'm pretty sure we can both just say it's probably going to Florida.
4: Yeah, just put Florida into that round. (laughs) I'm going to knock them out at some point. They're not making the final four, but uh, Florida. All right. And then, oh, anyone going to pick (laughs) Siena? No. No. Penn State wins that round against Siena. Next up, American and Dayton. Another tough pick. I'm going to go with American.
3: I'm taking American. Shout out to Barry Goldwater and Sarah Brunson and Ahen Kim. They've done a great job with that program. That's senior leadership. They made it to the Sweet 16 last year. They they know what they're doing over there, and I think they're a little more battle-tested. Dayton had a really rough year last year, um, and they're just back in the tournament this year. After Kelly Sheffield left, they've had a little bit of a struggle. So they're they're back, but I think I'm interested to see if American can take care of them.
4: LBSU, Long Beach State University versus San Diego. Oh, tough pick. Hmm. USD, a little bit down from where they were last year. Long Beach State, a little bit better than they were last year. Yeah,
3: I think Bree Mackey is the reason that Long Beach State's going to win this game.
4: Okay. LBSU. I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll jump on that bandwagon. I'll take LBSU. Uh, let's see. Where am I? UCLA. LIU,
3: Brooklyn, and UCLA. You taking the upset? Taking the upset. They've already played this year, by the way. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. It was not to LIU, Brooklyn's favor. It
4: was not pretty. It was not pretty. No, I can't. I, I would like to take the <laughs> Kyle Robinsons. I, I wrote them here, but I, I I can't do it. It's just a that's a faith pick. <laughs> Yeah, Carstello just murders him. It's just not good. Carstello is too good. It's just too good. You just you can't stop Carstello. You can only hope to contain her. Kentucky smashes Oakland. Come on. Uh, yes. Okay. Kentucky smashes Oakland. it so got disconnected. That's okay. Whoops. <laughs> I don't know what happened there.
3: I don't know. Nobody on the, yeah, the, he says I lost it as well. The people on this chat board said,
4: uh, yeah. Yeah, you'll have to listen to the podcast then, people. You'll have to listen. To, you missed like three minutes of wisdom right there. Three well, they heard
3: they heard the, me screw up the American head coach's name. Not
4: Goldwater, Goldberg. Goldberg. Uh, Goldwater Gold... is the easy one. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Darn it! <laughs> don't worry. Carl Franz called me on on that one real quick. Hawaii
4: and Duke. Oh, Hawaii and Duke. I mean,
3: I I love Dave Shoji. I love yeah. that program. I'm, I'm gonna taking, have to go
4: Duke. I'm taking Duke as well. I just don't think Hawaii away from home is very good.
3: And I think they've just they haven't really settled into a lineup. They people coming back from injuries. Yeah, we're still not up online, so in case you're wondering.
4: We're not? Nope. We should be. Tell them to reload the page. Reload the page, people. Kansas State and Utah. Utah Utah.
3: I'm taking Utah. I
4: Utah as well. I really I
3: like, like I, love, I like the Adora and I. They're outside hitter.
4: Yep.
0: I
3: think it's a little sad they lost Eliza Cotella for the season, but everybody else has stepped up around her, and I think they're playing some great volleyball. And their libero Leah Adolfo is
4: excellent. Mackenzie Moyai has done a really nice job yeah. coming in. Uh, Chelsea Schofield's having an incredible season last year. She was digging ball like mad, but her hitting percentage was garbage. Right. This year, she put the hitting percentage right up there with it. She's really had a nice senior season. Uh, Hofstra against Nebraska. I'm sorry, Hofstra.
3: Yeah, Nebraska through, but let's see uh, if Katie Rolson makes another appearance. She got benched during the Penn State match, in the game one, And even when they were getting killed in game two and game three, Cook didn't put her back in.
4: Arizona. I'm interested
3: to see what they're doing
4: over there. Arizona versus Yale.
3: Hey, the Ivy League doesn't go to Happy Valley for the first time in a while.
4: I'm taking Arizona. Arizona wins. Sorry. Kevin. Seton Hall, BYU. I'm taking BYU. It just, it's too big. Hampson. BYU, Hampson sure. is too big.
3: Six foot seven right side. That's going to do some damage.
4: Yeah. She's in these early rounds. I just don't think teams are physically capable of dealing with that type of animal. Okay. Alabama, Samford. I'm going to take Bama. I don't even know. I don't know anything. Bama, oh, Alabama. The first thing about either of those teams, honestly. Samford
3: is your SOCON at, or automatic qualifier, and I think Alabama should... If only they were playing at home, their schools
4: are like an hour apart. Florida State. Florida State. Florida. Who cares who they're playing? Oh, Florida they're playing State.
3: Jacksonville. First-year head coach, Julie Darty pulled the upset over Lipscomb in the tournament.
4: I know. That's why I don't want to mention them. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just <laughs> oh, okay. kidding. Congratulations. Just to- biased. <laughs> Congratulations to Jacksonville. Did a nice job. Uh, but you run into Florida State. That's kind of like running into the buzzsaw. You're all done. North Carolina and Hampton. So we have, yeah UNC yeah UNC uh, UNC right there
3: and I'm going USC over Coastal Carolina <laughs>
4: yeah I'm going to take that too but I don't I don't think SC is long for this tourney this no, I'm, year I think they're going down to North Carolina next yeah I I'm gonna I'm gonna agree to that one uh, let's see here Oklahoma LSU tough pick I'm gonna uh, go with Oklahoma Oklahoma on the
3: Sam OJ revenge game. <laughs>
4: Revenge game, yes. They get the winner of Oregon Santa Clara. While I like Tom Cruise's stunt double up there. I'm gonna <laughs> and go- their excellent freshman setter, Kristen Mead. Yeah. And gonna- I think Oregon's coming out on top of on that one. I'm gonna take Oregon.
3: Never know. Santa Clara did have that run into the final four about what was
4: that, ten years ago now? Ugh. It's amazing how quickly the time <laughs> it's goes by, doesn't it? Crap. It's Starting a- to feel old. It's a little bit shocking. Okay. Uh, let's see. Where are we here?
3: Colorado State and Denver.
4: Oh geez, we're in the we're in the we're Denver in the, regional. all
3: Colorado brackets.
4: Colorado State, Denver. Uh, Colorado State. Colorado State. That's basically a home match for both.
3: Mhm. I'm taking Colorado over Northern Colorado as well, because I think Liz Kritz has done an excellent job with that team. Colorado. It's pretty close to home. Colorado plays pretty well in their home area. So.
4: Yeah. People accuse Liz Kritz of not knowing anything about volleyball. I don't know how that's true given that they made the tournament two years in a row now. With and as bad was, as they were, they were before floundering. she got there. Oh, they yeah. were floundering. Now, get Taylor Simpson to stay in a school for two years in a row – and that will help.
3: That would be the biggest challenge she's had, and I think she's mastered it. That's it's two years
4: in. Amazing what you can do if you stay in a program more than one season. Yeah. What was it? Tennessee, Nebraska, Nebraska, Tennessee, Missouri like that.
3: was in there. There was another transfer somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Taylor. She made the most of it. She's there. She's had a great season. She's been out training with the national team. Clearly, she got herself together. Whatever she needed to do. So.
4: And she's been playing with her sisters, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Neat story there with uh, all the Simpson sisters playing. So, and uh, six foot libero. It's always entertaining. Yeah. So, yeah, Simpson sisters, very good volleyball players. Colorado wins that. Texas A&M, Arizona State. Ooh, Arizona State operating with their backup setter at outside hitter for a little bit with Whew. Kizzy Willie with a bad shoulder. I have not seen if she's back yet or not. I think that's going to go a long way to determining what happens in well, this match. You're talking about tall liberos.
3: Texas A&M had a six foot three girl playing libero for part of the season. I don't know if she's still in there. Hardesty. Maybe back some, on the outside. Some but... kid
4: from UCLA came in 6'4 guy. He's a libero. What are you doing? It's a little
3: different in the men's game. Yeah, yeah, I
4: forget his name. He's kind of big. I don't know. I think Arizona
3: State takes it. I think Macy Gardner wills her way right through there.
4: Yeah, it, it's going to it's gonna depend on her if she can hit enough. I, I think these teams that haven't seen her will have a really tough time with her. And
3: if Brielle Bailey can get going early, I think they're going to be a little too much to handle over there.
4: She needs to play better. Yeah. Brielle Bailey needs to play better. She's better than she's been playing. She's a better athlete. She's a better volleyball player than she has shown so far this year. Or in any year. Yep. Brie, be better, please. Next year. We love you. You can do this. Yeah, she can. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's kind of like when I named Matt Anderson Biggest Disappointment of 2009. <laughs> it wasn't because I hated Matt Anderson. It was because I looked at the kid and went, this kid could be incredible. Right. And he's just not doing it. He's not even on a progression of where he should be. Right. And I feel that way about Brielle Bailey. Like, yes, I know you're a sophomore. <laughs> But. I get it. But you should be better than you are right now. Right. And you have. Is she a but, red shirt? Or you have she is she a straight sophomore? No, I think she's a straight sophomore. I don't have my book up here. Mm. But you have but yourself to blame. Right. So, uh, Brielle, you're. Totally capable, totally capable, and I expect a a better Brielle Bailey next year. Well, actually, I expect a better better Brielle Bailey in the tournament. Maybe if she
3: blossoms in the tournament, we can keep our fingers crossed for that.
4: I hope so. Sometimes you work and work and work, and then you hit a new norm. I I hope that happens for her.
3: Sometimes it just clicks. And for Jason Watson. And for the next game, I don't think we need much talk. Texas is beating Northwestern State.
4: Yeah, whatever. whatever. Uh, Stanford LMU. Second Stanford. round. Stanford. I think Stanford's
3: gonna... gonna run shot, And I had Michigan State, but yes, I got you on that one. <laughs>
4: Creighton, Kansas.
3: Uh I think Creighton takes it. I I have Oregon State. I think You're Oregon, Oregon State, State beats Kansas.
4: Really? As well. You have OSU going two rounds deep? I do. I'm gonna put Creighton through. Okay. But I like your pick. I like I like that OSU pick. I don't think you can go wrong with that. Nope. Western Kentucky, Illinois. I'm gonna take uh Illinois, best player in Pickin the Illinois. History of the women's national team does well there. Uh, the coach.
0: Oh, <laughs> the women's national
3: team.
4: Yeah, Poor he guy. was on the women's national team for a long time. <laughs> haven't mentioned it on the show in a while, but I like to bring it up. Every now and then. Yeah, so. when we had him on, he used to get mad because I'd bring it up every time.
3: little jab inside.
4: No, he he was fantastic. Uh, Florida, Miami. I'm thinking Florida. Okay, Florida. I have Florida as well. Penn State. Penn State. i just, <laughs> just going to write it through. I'm going to write the fighting Micah Hancock's. Uh, interesting matchup here, UCLA, Long Beach State. I
3: think UCLA takes it. I think Carcelo is just, she's having that kind of a season. and
0: She's really if good. If they can keep
3: riding her. I know they've had a little bit of some iffiness at the outside hitter. They've had Olga Stronzali in there. They've had Haley Lawless. And nobody's really locked down the position. Uh, I think Riley Bluster has been nice and steady for them. Yeah. If they can get nice anybody else going. You know, Zoe Nightingale, you know, Claire Felix had a heck of a match the other day against USC. They're solid middles. destroying people Very in that good. match. Um, I think if they can keep that up, they're going to be pretty formidable. But I I don't think they get through
4: Penn State in the next round, though. I wonder if Zoe's going to show up at all the men's matches this year again. She must be dating somebody somebody or you don't show up to every single match that I'm at. Unless you're not taking any classes and you're really bored. Yeah, with your swimming friends (laughs) and so on. Yes, all right. Kentucky. All right, so I've got UCLA going through as well. Carcelo, how many noses does she break is the question with that sharp angle. People that don't know about that. (laughs) Oh, God. She's going to hurt somebody. Uh, Kentucky and Lipscomb. This would be good. Skinner versus Rosenthal.
3: Well, I have Ohio State in there. <laughs> I'm going to take Kentucky.
4: I'm going to take Kentucky. Kind of by as well. default. I'm not. Sorry, Brandon. I got to at some point be realistic. And I can't honestly, put you in the I final four. I
3: don't think Kentucky's all that great, but I think they're better than the rest of the group in their bracket.
4: Marquette and Wisconsin. Uh, we're going to go. We're going to go with the Fighting Cheeseheads, right? And I'm going Wisconsin. Illinois yeah. State, Wisconsin. For me. Yeah, Cheeseheads there. All right. Uh, we, do we both have Washington Duke? Yes. Alright, I'm taking Huskies. Yep. Roof. Woof.
3: And I'm calling it upset in the next oh, one. I'm oh. taking
4: Utah over Nebraska. Utah goes two rounds deep. I think they do. I'll go with you. I think they've got the fight in them. I'm Are going just, I'm going with you on a journey here, Katie. I'm going with you. I'm interested
3: to see how they journey. play away from Utah. I mean they've played excellent at home, they've been average on the road, but I think Nebraska's got some problems going on right now.
4: Okay. Arizona and, BYU.
3: Um, Ooh,
4: Battle of the Big Sirs. Battle of the Big Kids. I'm going
3: with the Fighting Mormons.
4: I'll take the Mormons as well. Although I love Arizona, I like what they've been doing. They they need some balance to Kingdon.
3: It'd be more interesting if they were at home and definitely knew that the referees were going to be on their side. But
4: wouldn't it though? <laughs> uh, I like I like what Arizona does. I, I, BYU I like is pretty Snuka. good. Here's I think
3: here's, she fights, man.
4: here's what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to the second player. Hampson's going to get her kills. Kingdon's going to get her kills. The question will be. Uh Alexis Gray.
3: Alexa Gray. No.
4: Alexa Gray, sorry. Alexa Gray for BYU and then for Arizona. It's Harris. Yeah, that's Ashley Harris, been. six foot eight. She's been whichever of those two kids performs, her team wins. Yep. Uh Bama, Florida State. I'm taking Florida State. Yeah, I'll take the Chris Pools. Alright, Florida State. Pennsylvania. Actually that's in Penn. Uh <laughs> USC and UNC. I think we're both uh we're both picking the Trojans to be done here.
3: Yes, I'm taking the Tar Heels as much as that pains me. I'm a Tar- Duke fan to pick the Tar Heels. Going. So
4: th- that sets up a BYU, right? Florida no. State. Oh, yeah, BYU, Florida Match State. There cause I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm back one. I didn't connect the brackets. Okay, uh, UNC, great. Now Oklahoma, Oregon.
3: I'm taking Oregon. Really? I am. Really? I am.
4: Ooh, it's all about Martin Bettendorf. It's all about Bettendorf.
3: Again, it's a, it's a speed thing. I think Chevy. Oklahoma. If Chevy
4: can play well.
3: If Oklahoma was playing, say, USC, I think Oklahoma wins no problem. They can play that big, high ball, slow ball offense, but I think Oregon's going to be too much in terms
4: of speed for them. Fine. I'm going to put Oklahoma in. Okay. Fine. Deal with that.
3: <laughs> as much as I love Santiago or Strepo, I think they're done
4: after that. Colorado State, Colorado. I'm, gonna, I'm going Colorado. I'm going Colorado as well.
3: Even though it's at Colorado State, which could make it a little exciting. No and Moby is just. Rocking when it's the home crowd, but I still think Colorado goes
4: through. It's all at altitude. It makes no difference at all. <laughs> so we should call it the high altitude group.
0: High altitude group.
4: ASU Texas. Well, sorry, sorry, Jason Watson. Honestly, I'm taking Arizona State.
3: Whoa, yep. it's
4: crazy talk.
3: I know. I just Texas. I don't. They, I just don't think they've played enough really good teams this year to be prepared for that level of pressure back to back. Now they're playing Northwestern State the first weekend in the very first match, but I think Arizona could really, Arizona State, didn't they beat them earlier this year or they played each other earlier and it was close? If I remember correctly. Uh, I don't
4: remember if it was this year or last year. I'd have to look it up. I'm not looking it up right now. You can. Uh, okay. I have to move on. Stanford, Creighton. Sorry, Creighton. Edios. Right? Stanford. Yep. Yep. Illinois, Florida. If you still have that, I'm
3: taking Illinois.
4: I will also take Illinois, and so end the chances of a female coach winning the Final Four this year. <laughs> Penn State, UCLA. Penn
3: State. Yeah, I got it. Allie Franti is just on another level for a freshman right now, and I think, I mean, the way she carried them in the Nebraska match, I believe if they
4: last year, last year ASU over Texas. Last year was ASU over Texas. Yeah, got it. That was their big signature win. One thing helped get them in the tournament. All right. Penn, so Penn State-UCLA, you're saying Penn State?
3: I'm saying Penn State.
4: Yeah, I don't think UCLA has enough.
3: I, yeah, they're not consistent enough anywhere except for Carcelo. I mean, this, if they play set or roulette again throughout this tournament, I think they're really going to struggle.
4: I think Carsta could carry her team, and that team could go a lot further if they didn't have to play. Penn State, right? <laughs> At exactly. That point. I think there I think, are other defeatable teams
3: for them. Like if they were in a North Carolina bracket or something along those lines, I think they win that game.
4: Well, if it was seeded to sixty-four, you would find them further up the bracket than they are. They would yeah. not face the number five in the third round. Right. It just or yeah, it just wouldn't happen. Uh, Kentucky, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm, I I think I really think a lot of Wisconsin. I have like been them.
3: heralding a lot of the liberos, but Taylor Morey is another one to watch. She is just a stalwart back there and. I don't think our defenders get nearly enough credit, but the Liberos, some of the Liberos in this tournament are just excellent.
4: Washington, Utah. Washington. Yep, I have Washington as well. Florida you know? State, BYU. <laughs> Tough pick here.
3: Yeah, this is getting way harder. I don't know uh, a ton
4: about Florida State. I don't, I've watched a I know a, couple a lot times. more about BYU.
3: I know they lost twice in the same weekend to both Duke and...
4: They pulled the Washington. They did. Honestly, I think
3: BYU might get through. All right. I'm not sure... It, it's going to depend on what Florida State does in terms of they they run a s like six two, kind of an odd six two, and uh, I think BYU, their just size is going to make a difference. That's six seven right side, unless you know Walsh can really step up her game and they get a lot of production out of their other outside hitters for Florida State. I really believe
4: it's going to be BYU. I went Florida State, UNC, Oklahoma, UNC, UNC. Yeah, I I think it's the end of Oklahoma's run right there. <laughs> nice year, though. Good Especially year.
3: since I have Oregon. I probably would pick Oregon.
4: <laughs> Texas, Colorado. <laughs>
3: Texas and Colorado. I'm taking it. Well, you of, I don't have Texas. So bat- bat- I'm Arizona bat- State, bat- Colorado. On
4: the outsides. You have ASU, Colorado. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking it. If, if it comes down to it, I'm taking Colorado. I'm taking Colorado over Texas. All right.
3: Well, at least we're in the same agreement, that we're getting out of there somewhere.
4: So now we're down to Elite Eight. Yeah. I'm doing this correctly. Now we have some really... Well, now you and I
3: don't have all the same, so this is going to be interesting. Well, yeah.
4: We have to diverge at some point. Are we (laughs) diverge. All right. Stanford, Illinois. Stanford. Yeah, I'm going to take Stanford as well. Uh, Washington, Florida State. Oh, well, let's go the other. I have BYU, so. So you have have BYU versus Washington.
3: And I have Washington.
4: And I have Washington. I I will take Washington as well. Okay. We are down here to Penn State, Wisconsin. Uh Uh-oh. I'm taking
3: Penn State. I have a hard time taking Penn State, but that's that's the homer pick with the heart kind of deal. And I think, I think it'll be an excellent match. I know Penn State drubbed them in three at home earlier this season, or at Wisconsin in three. That was their only loss in conference. Uh, but I think Penn State's just hitting their stride. And we talked about it during College Volleyball Weekly. Russ always has his team peaking at the right point in the season, and I just think they're kind of rolling right now.
4: I am going to take Wisconsin. I, because I'm going to think with my vertically striped red and white turtleneck and uh, and go with my friend, my buddy, the one who started it all on the Facebook page of taking pictures with inanimate animals.
1: <laughs> you will, want a picture
3: with a badger? Is that what you're trying to say?
4: I have a picture with a badger. That's what started it all. I would take Wisconsin to defeat Penn State. Adios, 2013 national champion. On the other side, Washington Florida State. We picked that one already? Washington you had, and Florida State? Yes. Washington. Okay. Washington. We have Washington. UNC, Colorado. That's what I have. See,
3: I have I have Oregon, Colorado, and I have Oregon getting through. Really? Yeah. Oregon to the final four? I I think that is the really worst of the brackets in terms of, I just don't think it's very good.
4: I don't think it's a very good bracket either.
3: But I have Oregon going through.
4: God, i got to put somebody in here.
3: Because <laughs> you have Oklahoma over Oregon. I have I, Oregon I have, over I Oklahoma. Have, so. I have
4: Colorado, UNC.
3: Yeah, I work in Colorado, so
4: this this whole bracket here, the people in this bracket are very excited. In in this whole bottom right. Of now the bracket. I feel
3: like I feel like Colorado. I'm saying I feel like Oregon gets through, and then it's going to be like Washington. They're going to get drubbed by whoever they play in that next round.
4: But. We'll put Colorado in. All right, so national semifinal. I have Stanford and Washington meeting on you- one side.
3: Isn't it top and bottom together? Oh,
4: sorry. I mean, Stanford and Wisconsin.
3: I have Stanford. Wrong W. All
4: right. Stanford and Wisconsin. You have Stanford and Penn State. 3 2. Now let's talk about you. 3 2. Yep. Stanford.
3: One, my two favorite teams in college volleyball, and they're on the same side of the
4: bracket. Penn State knocked them out a year ago in the tournament, but 3 2 earlier this year for Stanford. Cardinal, pretty complete. Mm -hmm. Penn State, unbelievable experience in playoffs. Mm. Stanford, Cardinal, angry, bitter, looking for revenge kind of cardinal.
1: Mhm.
4: Not well, the happy tree singing cardinal. And I
3: honestly think I honestly I think the Washington loss for Stanford is what's going to get them through.
4: I like that loss too. I
3: liked it too. And yeah. I you know, I didn't like to to not take them with that. Like I had a really hard time like I was rooting for them the whole match, but I th- honestly think it was really good for them to lose one going in. Just because one, now they've had to deal with it. Two, under pressure they're Pressure's gonna have off. to perform. Yeah, they don't have to worry about a perfect record anymore. They can just play. And I think that gets them through. I think they'll relax a little bit. They've got that great junior class. Maddie Bug, Inky Adoniku, Jordan Burgess, Brittany Howard. You know, I know everybody said Howard's not having a great season. She's one of their best defensive players there. I think Kyle Gilbert is one of the top liberos in the country. Now, she struggled massively in serve-receive uh, against Washington. I think that becomes a focus for them, and they kind of settle in. Um, and I think they're going to
4: they're gonna beat Penn State. I'm going to take Stanford over Wisconsin. <laughs> For a lot of the reasons you mentioned, but they have got to handle the ball well enough to get to the middle. They cannot get destabilized the way they did against Washington. Right. You know, it's funny. I said Maria Taylor maybe has an SEC Big 12 knowledge base that's bigger than some of the other areas. <laughs> Look at my final four. Stanford, Washington, Colorado, Wisconsin.
3: <laughs> yeah. I don't know.
4: Yep. Like I said, I know a little more about the Pac-12, so I tend to go with them.
3: Well, and I do, too. I've got Oregon in there.
4: Now, I knocked off Texas to Colorado. That's a it's a sketchy pick. I like Texas, and and that bracket once you put that team through, whoever comes out of that matchup right there, I think wins all the way through. So if Texas beats Colorado, I think Texas runs through to the so, final. So court. do
3: I. I think that bracket. Honestly, I think it the committee did a huge disservice in putting Texas in as the two seed. I honestly, I thought they should have been like fifth. I just don't think they're that great.
4: I don't think the Big 12 Is as tells strong us as anything there, yeah. about it. And I think that in the past they've had the athletes to just kind of run over and maybe or maybe not get it done. But the Big 12 needs to be better in order to have Texas really have an accurate rating coming out of conference play. Yeah. and I or whoever think comes out They had such a
3: strange schedule at the beginning. They were only playing one match. But, you know, they're just, they don't, don't play very they, much. No, they didn't.
4: They've won they're the, like SC on the men's side. Right. SC doesn't play very much. Right. It's and I, very odd. I
3: just don't think I just don't think they're that good. I think they've insulated themselves almost all season. They haven't played a tough match away from home, and just on the last weekend, they lost to Florida, who I think is good but not great. And at home on Senior Day, like they couldn't yeah. even use Senior Day to propel them through that match. And
4: that said, if Texas beats Colorado, as I have it, if that match comes to fruition, Texas runs through Texas in the Final Four. Right. When in which case they meet Washington. I don't care who it is out of that bottom bracket, I got Washington coming out.
3: Well and the wild card of everything I've got Washington coming out as well. But you know the wild card of everything is what's the setting situation going to be at Washington. Right. Like if they're playing the kid that's only played three matches, does she get rattled? How do we do I mean it's it's gonna be interesting to see what they have to do depending on the you know what the outcome is of, you know, um Katie Beale's injury. I think
4: they can go to a five one with Krista Van Sant, no problem. They can attack out of the back row. Will. But I I'm saying they could. Right. If the 6-2 isn't working, if the new setter doesn't work out, if the scenario you're presenting doesn't work out, they can go to a 5-1 with Van Sant out of the back row. Mm-hmm. I think Nelson's perfectly capable of playing all the way around. If they don't pass that well anyway, a good pass for them is at 7 feet. It's like the men's game. Well, that's the gold medal square. And square just everywhere. throw it to the outside and crush the ball. I, I think that's okay.
0: I, yeah.
3: I just It'll be interesting to see if that destabilizes any of their confidence. And that's going to be the biggest thing. Like, oh, look, we have to change our entire system going into the tournament. Or we're playing with a backup setter. But again, we have to wait and see what happens. You know what the outcome is with Katie Beal's injury.
4: Washington, I have Washington and Stanford in the finals. I playing do too. Each other. So and it I... comes down to it now. Rematch. This was a three-one, one by Washington on senior night in front of nearly nine thousand rabid, purplely clad individuals there at the Alaska Airlines Arena. It was a better ticket than the Seattle Seahawks game to be played the following day. For sure. So, oh, by the way, I do have confirmation that was the Seahawks at my hotel the week before. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I I was wondering if they were there. They were actually at the Hyatt in Bellevue. I saw a couple of them. I thought it was Marshawn Lynch at the desk. It was. It was. Yeah. When there's two Rolls-Royce out front that have rims and are all pimped out, like old people who can afford Rollses. They don't pimp them out with rims.
3: No. That's a football team. <laughs> that's a that's a football team, a basketball team.
4: Yeah. It's one of them. And I would do that. If I had that money, I'd, I'd go Rolls Royce rims. No problem. All right, so Stanford-Washington rematch. Stanford. Really? Yeah. They do it. The card. You I have the card it. winning it. And
3: that's the other reason I think that maybe that loss really was
4: okay for them. I'm going to take the Huskies. Taking the Huskies. I'm taking the Huskies. I think maybe it's the outside hitter in me. Maybe it's the who cares what the pass is. I can crush my way out of this. That uh, that makes me want to pick them. I'm going to take the Huskies <laughs> to win the national championship.
3: Well, hopefully we've got a better showing than last year's Final Four. All
4: right, we're going to have a mascot challenge right
3: out there.
4: next week when uh, when Jeremy is back. And Katie, are you here again? Yep. Yeah. Right on. Good. It's good. Eight. What's next week? Yes. Yes, I'm here. Okay, we will have our mascot challenge. I'm looking forward to uh, to doing that because I don't want to spend another half an hour picking it on mascots. It's too long of a discussion. We'll have a much more in-depth discussion about Yeah, we'll be how on to capable... 16 by then. That'll make it a lot easier. Yeah, 16. And we'll have a much more in-depth discussion about how capable a buffalo really is of playing volleyball.
3: See if they make it out. You and I could really be up
4: the creek because some of these are... Well, We can pick it all again. We'll see how this all works out. (laughs) Go out and fill out your challenge bracket at uh, Volleyball Magazine or go over to Volleyball Source Magazine and you can be a part of this tournament. You know you want to have a vested interest and maybe win some prizes if you can really pick those volleyball teams and get yourself something special. I want to say thanks to Kelly Chuckles, Katie Charles, for coming over. The
3: not-so-traffic-filled drive this morning that got me here 25 minutes early. Yeah,
4: well, All that's right. how you have, to, you have to be early to be on time. <laughs> I want to say thank you to Gabby Reese again for the second part of her interview that we aired here, to Brandon and Vinny for calling in via College of Volleyball Weekly. Thanks to you, the listener, as well as 6'8 Clothing Company and American Volleyball Coaches Association for supporting this show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you get a chance to get out to one of these matches. If not, you're going to have to work hard to find them on TV. I was looking for an email here to see if. Pac 12 may pick up some if you're looking for Pac 12 fans. Uh, you may see that. I'm you're not hoping sure. for some
3: work in the next couple weeks. Is that what you're You know, I don't me? know
4: that it's going to work out. I actually sent the email, then I looked at the schedule. Um, yeah, I know, it looks I know like. I
3: will be uh Poly Pavilion on Friday night. Uh, one, I'd like to see Poly Pavilion now that it's not underwater anymore. And two, I'm going to catch the first round.
4: Oh, man. These, I, I could go back to Seattle. Except them working.
3: <laughs>
4: Doggone it. Maybe they'll pick up the next round. The next round on ESPN. ESPN3? Uh, yes,
3: ESPN three and then ESPN U. So uh, I imagine they will not be picking up the second round. Doggone oh, <laughs> it! That's a bummer. Darn! Before we end the show, yes, I'd like to give a shout out to Division three finish their uh, NCAA tournament. Okay. Hope College of Michigan won their first ever national title.
4: Nice. I knew that the seven time national champ got knocked out. Right. That was Division
3: two. Oh, it's yeah. Division two. They, they lost to Missouri State. Minnesota State. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you know, Hope College, who was the one seed overall but still had to travel <laughs> for both of the division first round. Three. Welcome to Division Three. Had to find that middle ground. Um and they ended up knocking off Emory University for the finals and it was uh an excellent match. Five game match. Uh big shout out to Coach Becky Schmidt up there. She was our president oh, for division three for a long time. Yeah. yeah. So her first national championship, first national championship in volleyball for Hope College. Uh, and big congratulations to the Go Dutch.
4: Way to go, Becky Schmidt. Yeah. She's a rather active poster as well on some of the volleyball Yeah, she's awesome. Side. I like her. I talked to her a couple of years ago. Couldn't be
3: happier. Couldn't find a better coach to win that.
4: So. Congratulations. What about D2? Where are we in D2? Anybody know? Uh,
3: this year, D2 is a little different. They're doing this, like, festival extravaganza at the end of the year. So I'm actually not sure...
4: Uh, Minnesota Where at State right now. took out Concordia. Oh, it was Minnesota State who beat Concordia, yes. St. Paul, and Minnesota Duluth who went undefeated. How about that? Yeah, festival this weekend. Oh, and they beat Juanita?
3: Mm-hmm. Juanita? Hope. Well, that, Division three is kind of a strange bird. There's some regions that have really low, like the highest team in New England was like 68 in the RPI or something along those lines. But in the region that Hope was in, they played Juniata in the second round, and Juniata was like 10th in the RPI. Mm-hmm. Hope was one. Wittenberg was in there. It was like they were sixth. So the top of the RPI was all in one bracket out in the middle of the country, which was interesting. That happens in least. D2
4: as well. Yeah, happens a lot in D2. I was sporting my Juanita stuff yesterday, Juanita.
3: You have something, Juanita?
4: It was sent to me by uh Jay. Jake grabbed something and oh, said the there? pioneers or something?
0: No. What are
4: the, Who's Eagles? That? <laughs> the Eagles? Maybe it's not oh no, it's it's Nidget. That's what Nidget, I have. I have Nidget. Nidget. That's what I was wearing. Oh, we, can, the we
3: can get you set up with some Juniata gear if you'd like it. Yeah. Somewhere. Somewhere I have a sweatshirt that the men's coaches gave me that's about down to my knees. That'd probably be appropriate for you.
4: Grand Valley versus Wingate, Southwest, Minnesota State versus Sonoma State, Tampa versus Wheeling Jesuit, New oh, Haven right. versus Arkansas Fort Smith.
3: How would your brother's team end up? You could have asked us. How did you not know the answer to this question? Isn't your brother at West Texas? He got knocked out
4: in, uh, I believe it was, uh, four sets. In one set, they scored eight. Uh, Ouch. (laughs) Eight. Eight. Wow. Been giving him crap for that, haven't you? Yeah. Thanks to uh, Coach Hula for being our D2 guy. Oh, yeah. He's up there at Bemidji State in Minnesota. Oh, Carl France is going to take care of me with some NYU stuff. See? People send it to me. I wear it. That's how. Do you want to wear the violet? (laughs) That's how it works, baby. People send it to me, and I wear it.
3: Did I get, where's your Kenyan stuff? I'm still waiting to see that, even though I'm not there anymore.
4: No, that was Jeremy. He sent it all for Jeremy. Oh, that's right. He wore it. Yeah, he did wear it. He, he still wears it. it. He still wears it. Uh, <laughs> good questions from, uh, and he was uh, he was sending in a couple of emails here asking about statistics. We will have a, a discussion about volleyball statistics later. Not now, but uh, keep the emails coming in at live at gmail.com. Thank you, Tomo, for emailing us. <laughs> And uh, thanks, everyone, for supporting the show, listening to the show. Hope you had a good time. Hope you have a great week. Enjoy the volleyball action, 5th and 6th. It's going to be good.
3: It's going to be good. We'll be
4: back with a lot less teams next week. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Katie, let's get the hell out of here. <sighs> we'll leave you with some uh, some who. <laughs> That's right, Jeremy. Where is Jeremy when we need him? <laughs> hey, Jeremy, hashtag suck it. Here's the Who?
0: Better you, better you, better.